Welcome back to another episode of the All Music Is Good podcast, the only show that gives you the lowdown on four recent releases. We're the podcast that goes the extra yard to try and work out what's great and sometimes not so great about each one. But before we get into episode nine, I need to introduce you to someone I like to refer to as my co-host. Some say he's the Brian to my Stewie, the Jay to my Silent Bob, the Elwood to my Jake, the Bip Tannen to my Marty McFly. Let me say hello to the man with the cleanest bedroom in the business, Arik Bloom. Arik, it's that time of the week again. It is that time of the week again, Waza. It is great to see you. We actually haven't even spoken all week. It's kind of been a little bit awkward. I'm, I was kind of wondering if um if I'd sort of upset you or you just giving me the cold shoulder all week. What was up, what was up with that? That's a good question. Well, I've found that you know the the hot tub debriefs haven't been what they were at the start, and maybe I was thinking. Maybe it's more me than it is you. I don't know. What, anything anything um, that we uh, yeah, look, need I to think, talk about? I think, well, I think you've raised a really, really good point. I um, I actually had a hot tub last night, which was like the first one I've had in two weeks. And it made me kind of go, what has actually changed? I, you know, like, where is the discipline? And... Um, <laughs> And uh, and I think that sort of is pretty ref- could be potentially reflective of our own kind of um, interaction, and you know may- maybe there's something in that. Maybe there's something in the fact that uh, you know we're we've uh, we're apparently meant to be liberated from our lockdown this Sunday. However, in the most wonderfully subtle way of delivering bad news, we basically found out on Sunday that there's all this really optimistic future ahead. But we are fundamentally going to be locked up for the next six more weeks. So mm. maybe that is a reason why we haven't spoken. Um, look, it's it's hard to really say. Um, apart from not speaking. Do we even care? Yeah. Do we care? Do I mean, we... sometimes it's good to have a break. I mean, we're at episode nine now, Eric. I mean, we've got this shit. We're down with this shit. We do. We do. It's kind of like where um, it's almost like the Matrix. You know, what was um, Lawrence Fishburne's character's name? Oh, oh, Morpheus. Morpheus, you know, it's kind of like a Morpheus Neo kind of situation where we're just sort of flowing at the moment. And I, I mean, I would, I mean, you know, Morpheus is the kind of more experienced cat. So I might, I might say you're my Morpheus and I'm your Neo and I'm a bit, I'm kind of, a bit, I'm a bit dumb <laughs> yeah, like that. Neo anyway. So, um, look, I'm not sure if I completely agree with that. Um, analogy. I think I need to think about that a little bit more, actually. Well, maybe we can come back to that later in this week's episode. But uh, but I did want to kind of just fill you in on a couple of things that have happened this week. Go for it. Um, what has actually happened this week? I <laughs> have eaten pasta. Um, that's been pretty cool. I, I I had I did some more boxing, so I, I I boxed again today, which was pretty wild. We got right into that. Um, I got a new um oil burner that i bought off ebay which is big oh, nice. news um but i'm also but i'm waiting for some new essential oils to put in the oil burner and that's a vibe it is a vibe and it's i'll, I'll be honest mate it's like it's quite scandalous um just how slow the australia post is right now just um if you if you are not aware of this kind of online shopping kind of tip that a lot of people have kind of taken to most recently was apparently um, due to Victoria's restrictions. There's uh, like post is kind of getting sent like 
to somewhere in Victoria and then getting on sent back to New South Wales for sorting yeah. and then back to <laughs> Melbourne. So yeah. it's wild, man. Um, you know, they talk about what's his name, DeJoy kind of fucking the postal service in the States. I've got to tell you right now, whatever the hell is going on with the postal service in um, in Melbourne, Victoria, may well be as equal a scandal as voter fraud. I mean, I need my essential oils yeah. and what the hell, you know? I feel that. I'm feeling I'm feeling all of that. All of that you're saying is <laughs> I'm down with. What about you, Was? What's what's news, man? Well, I'll tell you what, I think I'm gonna have to go do the test in the morning because I've just felt shit today and I am working on a cocktail of fourteen year old single malt whiskey. Two Panadols and two Codrol day tablets. But, you know, I think it's my civic duty to turn up for this podcast. I mean, it is. I don't, it's an essential I don't, service. You know, I don't feel like I, I have to, I should have called in sick an hour before the show, you know, like who others might that? have done. Yeah, who, who would do that? Who I mean, that? not me. Well, I know anyway. do that. Anyway, I, I would never do that, and I and let's see how um, how my voice goes in two hours' time. Hopefully, this is not another record-breaking episode this week, lengthwise. We'll see after um, that surprisingly long. If we need to like pause mid-episode for a bit of me 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 me, me <laughs> we might we might we might do that just to kind of keep maybe you, a special keep you lubricated. Yeah. Maybe our special guest can take us through some exercises, but we'll get to that, that in could a be session. Actually, yeah. Um, now, look, if we had a had a midweek podcast debrief this week, I reckon some of the things you would have have found in the suggestion box would have been things like, you know, maybe there should be more inflatable hot tub talk, and I think we've done that and we've covered that off we already this week. Um, maybe. There needs to be some sort of investigation or royal commission into the fact that we've failed to capture any AM market radio share from our short-lived dalliance a few weeks back. Look, it's certainly on the agenda. I think, I mean, my understanding is that this is being raised um, at the with the board of directors um, at the end of the month. Yep, there, there'll be a hot tub um, investigation. Uh, but the one thing we both agreed that needed attention this week was our perceived bias towards southern equatorial music and more particularly the deep Melbourneness of our guest reviewers. Mm, this is true. Eric, I think it's fair to say that we both have a soft spot for humans of the antipodes. Mm-hmm. They're just they're just wonderful human beings, but we're also grudgingly forced to acknowledge that there are smaller markets in the world of recording artists that exist outside of this country. And these smaller regional territories include places like Europe, you know, the United yep. States, North America, the K-pop market, North America. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even the burgeoning emerging, emerging markets, emerging markets, even the burgeoning middle Eastern scene to name, but a few look. So after much toing and froing, we came to the, to the decision that we needed to find a guest who could cover these so-called satellite territories to act as a Northern Hemisphere correspondent, if you will. We've cast our net. I love that. You love that? Yeah, we've cast our net far and wide to come up with tonight's guest, and I think we've landed on the perfect person to act as our musical guide 
for music. Is it Pitbull? North of the equator. Is it, is it Pitbull, Mr. Worldwide? <laughs> is that the name of the song? I, I think that reference just went over my head. Damn it. I, th- I knew. Anyway. I, I was hoping we were going to get a big surprise. The October surprise, um, even though it's September, <laughs> September surprise. Sorry, was I? As you were. Okay. So to set this up, Arik, I need to take you back into the annals of time. So bear with me a little bit, if you if you will. I'm here for it. Okay, so the year was 2010, and my band, Deep Street Soul, were on our first ever European tour. And we had two amazing bookers help us out, and we did a string of shows across the UK, France, and Spain. We started in the UK, where our record label was based, and we did a few gigs there. Um some crazy gigs. Anyway, we flew into Southern France for some shows, including like one completely outrageous night in Bordeaux. Um, then we drove down to Spain to do some gigs um, down in uh, Granada and and uh, around the Madrid region. So I think we might have driven down into Madrid on, must have been Tuesday night, I think, and we weren't scheduled to play until Thursday in Catafe. Catafe, I think it is. Catafe. Yeah. Catafe. Yeah, get that G. Yep. Um, and it may have probably been the only two nights we had off on the whole run. And we had an awesome local promoter, and I think his name from memory was Roberto. And he'd organized to take us on, uh, take us out on the Wednesday night on what us Aussies would typically call a, a pub crawl. But in Spain, it's that on steroids with, you know, amazing food, pumping bars, awesome music, cool people. I mean, you've lived in Spain, Eric. You know the deal. I know the deal. Basically, it's the complete opposite to here um, where it's, you know, cheap beer, shit jukeboxes, pool table, missing a few balls. Anyway, I was also, I think it was also the night I was first introduced to the term, uh, I think it's botte. 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 Um, What's botte? I don't know. Maybe our guest can confirm this term when he comes on. But basically the concept is that one guy acts as a banker in the pub crawl. Like you give this dude 20 or 30 euros at the start of the night and then every place you go to, you get like a glass of wine and some tapa and pinchos and and you don't have to touch your money. And I might have been led down the garden path. It sounds sounds like a hustle more than a bot. Anyway, it's a game. No, dude, what it is, is it's a game changer because you just don't touch your money and then like wine and food turn up at your hand whenever you walk into the next bar. Anyway, so I'd got to this place where I was in that perfect tipsy, happy, you know, frame of mind. Um, Roberto said, okay, okay, we're going off to a funk jam. And, you know, so that's my really... Bad English yeah. Spanish accent. Jump session. Jump session. We're going to see jump. And now you know me, Eric. I'm not a jam dude. You you are not a jam dude. If um if there is anything that Waza is not, it's a jam guy. I mean, if you're going to show up to rehearsal, you better know your parts because Waza has no <laughs> interest in wasting time with navel gazing type impro. He likes he likes organization i just don't like the musos getting on stage and getting their dicks out and just just comparing them it's just not my thing dude anyway i was in that really great stage of drunkenness and you know when they you know what they say dude went in spain and so off we toddled 
to this bar and when we got there, it turned out the house band were a very well-known Spanish funk band called the Sweet Vandals. So automatically I was like, actually, this could be like a really, really good night. This could actually be the perfect night. But that had already happened two nights ago on Bordeaux. But I digress. A couple of minutes later, I was getting introduced to this English guy. Roberto introduced me. And we started chatting, and amazingly, it turned out that he'd actually reached out to me and the band via the old MySpace some years previously and had actually offered his services as a sax player if ever we were in Europe. And I kind of did vaguely remember the email, so that was sort of kind of a weird random connection in the middle of Madrid on a Wednesday night. Anyway, he excused himself, and I thought that was that, but then he proceeded to walk up on stage, grab a sax, and then just cut loose on some massive sax solo. And it was sort of like at that stage, I started wondering, has this whole night been some sort of massive setup or a scheme for this guy to audition for me? But as it turned out, that wasn't actually true. It was just my ego running rampant. And he was actually the guy who ran the night and had actually a really valid reason for being there. Anyway, Deep Street got up, played some songs. I played. I actually even jammed with band, and that was oh my like, God. You became jam guy. I jammed. It was. I think that might be the last time I've ever jammed. It was weird. Anyway, um, we had some good chats after, you know, with the band and and the English guy, sax guy. He offered us some tips, and then kind of hustled. I don't know, maybe it wasn't a hustle, but it sort of seemed like he invited himself to come and play with us in Madrid right. a couple of days later. As it turned out, though, it was no hustle and more a random act of generosity amongst many sins, and it's become the start of a beautiful bromance that has continued to this day. This man, to me, is a bit of a living legend. Um, he played a part in the Manchester scene of the 90s, working with the Nightmare and Wax crew, He's toured the globe with Badly Drawn Boy. He's played with the originators of the new funk scene, the New Master Sounds, who even wrote a song in his honour. He's a member of the BBC Fantasy Funk Band. He plays with Matthew Horsell's Gondwana Orchestra. He's just released his third spiritual jazz opus titled Blue to Red, which I was lucky enough to have some small minor um, contribution to. Um, He's played with my band, at the amazing St. Paul's Old Jazz Festival in France in 2013. He hosted my family in Madrid in 2018 for a wonderful week. And it's my great honour to welcome him to the Mule Music is Good family tonight. Can I say a big hello across the globe, all the way to Doha tonight to my amazing friend, Chip Wickham. Chip, welcome, mate. Good evening, everybody. That was quite a build-up, that, wasn't it? Blimey. Even I was wondering who was going to come on then. <laughs> it was kind of like I don't know if I don't know if you. Um, I, I've always wondered whether um, uh, Martin Tyler, who's a football commentator, actually commentates the um, English market. But that to me yeah. was like a Martin Tyler vintage kind of like journey left, and then back. Now we're at the edge of the penalty box, you know. <laughs> He's commentating like the footballer's running up and down the pitch with the ball on his own, just beating that's, people and going backwards and forwards just for the fun of it. That's, that's what it sounded like, didn't it? It was kind of. Although right, you missed something out, you missed something out there. Was uh, I actually did the horns on that album of yours? Oh, you did too. Yeah, yeah, that's, and that was a that was that's a big thing to miss out because the the only time I've ever played them was when we played at St. Paul Soul Jazz Festival in France, where I sat yeah. in with your your horn section because I was there doing something else. 
And you did an amazing gig that night, your band. You absolutely, absolutely tore it out. One of the best things I've ever seen at the festival. And I got to actually play some of the songs I'd written all the own arrangements for. So it's quite, it was quite sweet. It was a nice circle closing there. That was, that was a lovely moment. Well, I wouldn't say it closed that night. I would. It was, well, for that album. Was... I mean, not, not. I mean, you know, <laughs> something coming round. Something. That's right. We, we yeah, more, more that, you, you reminded me of things I'd forgotten about, to be quite honest. It was lovely. I mean, um, I don't remember hustling on your gig. I remember, I remember you inviting me down on the Friday night to play at Tempo Club. That's how I remember it. But, um, but right. that's my... <laughs> but, and I remember learning loads of tunes <laughs> for that Friday night. And having, Absolutely. But I, I, was only meant to, I was only meant to play a couple of tunes, wasn't I? But I, well, I sat in the whole night. It was wonderful fun. So that's what I call a hustle. I, I was only meant to play two songs, but I somehow managed to play all the songs. Yeah. Well, you know, that's 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 what that mu- that's what that music's like, though, isn't it? There's a side to that music that's about joining in, isn't it? Not just about, you know, yeah, not jam. just about you're, you're in the band, you're out the band. It's about sitting in and, and the the new master sounds that you mentioned before are, 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 are big players on that scene, that jam band scene in America, where they could do a set, but they've always got people just sitting in for tunes here and there, and it's it's a it's a kind of fairly legit part of that that scene, I think, and it's quite sweet as well. I mean, I uh, you didn't have a horn section with you at that time because you were on a no. on a budget, weren't you? And the second time you came over, you had the full band and the horns and everything. So it, in a way, it didn't matter. I wasn't taking anybody's space. I was just a bit, a bit of a bit of um, a bit of tinsel for the band, you know, adding a bit of you know a bit of glamour. I like, I like to think. Arik is our resident hustler, so I might pass it on to him to just, just you know, get some feedback on that. What, what do you think, Arik? Um, look, I think uh, you know that sounds that sounds like a really familiar kind of um, set of behaviours. I would certainly uh, advocate for that kind of approach. So yeah, that 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 hustle to me is. Um, is very very close to my heart ship i'm down i'm yeah it's like yeah cool man <laughs> i'll definitely i'll sit in on the on the band i'll sit in on the gig and hey just like fyi like in the middle can you just open up like you know a 15 minute um sax solo but also can the band just like get on a groove so i can throw some raps down you know that's <laughs> yeah. kind of that's yeah, my I'm, style i'm feeling that i'm feeling that yeah yeah, yeah. Eric did the Granada hustle for a year, didn't you, Eric? Well, I did do the Granada hustle, and I'm really, really glad that you brought that one up because Chip, that is actually the way that I met you, and there's quite a story to it. Um, so I was living. I, I basically I sort of showed up in Granada with uh, not much of a plan, and uh, fast forward two years later, and uh, you know, quite a quite a severe. Um, hashish habit <laughs> I'm I was still in Granada kind of um, studying flamenco and playing it incredibly poorly and I'd spoken to my friend Waza on uh, on Skype it was 2011 I think no 2010 Skype was a real thing back then and he's like oh dude you've got it I, I was like I was like oh man there's this really great jam night uh, in Granada, and on and and it happened every Sunday, and, and I was like, but man, there's this band coming through. Um, <clears throat> usually, the gig was was run by this amazing Israeli guitar player named Dan Ben Lior. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. Um, incredible player, just nuts jazz player. Um, that ja- that jam night was it was wild. It was like I've never seen anything like it. Um, some of the world's best musicians 
just kind of living under you know under a rock and a and a you know mushroom cloud of hash um living in granada and just sort of emerging on a sunday night to play some of the most fog of war i think we call it a fog of war (laughs) some of the most amazing music so dan ben lior was this guy that used to run this um this jam night which was just fucking amazing and then one night i was like man i called was and i was like dude is, I think Speedometer is touring through um, Eddie Roberts. No, so it was Eddie Roberts. Mm. It was an Eddie Roberts band. And he's like, dude, you got to go. you got to go. And my mate Chip's like going to be on the gig. And I was like, sweet. So I went down and um, I, I, mean, <laughs> I saw the gig and it was like, I'd never seen Eddie Roberts perform before. And it was just one of the most epic nights ever. Epic is a good word for Eddie, isn't it? It was just a journey, man. Like that guy's playing is something else. Yeah. And um and you know, I was just completely in awe. And as it turned out that night I also like um you may you may I don't know if you have any recollection of this, but I met a girl like my who was to become my girlfriend for like the next six months who then I ended up living with that night and I was talking with you at the bar kind of talking music and being a massive nerd with like half an eye on this, on this beautiful <laughs> Spanish woman who, who uh, you know, I ended up falling in love with and, you know, that's another story altogether. But um, the night was amazing. I, I was incredibly excited to meet you. Um, you know, you played a ripper set that night. and I, uh, I remember I remember having a conversation with you because you weren't really paying much attention at the bar. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, I remember it very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, you, were, you, were, you were just sort of, you were just like, yeah, could you stand there a bit? You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Just by the numbers. <laughs> yeah, it was, a bit, it was a bit by the numbers. I'm with the band. I'm with the band. Sort of, yeah, yeah trying to get that sort yeah, of the, well, the glow of that the, upon you. That's right. Well, you know, when Waza talks about your hustle of kind of stepping into um, <laughs> to a Deep Street Soul gig, I, 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 I'm pretty sure I was, I was telling this um, this uh, this beautiful woman that I that in fact I was also in the band. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure you did. I'm sure you're not the first either. <laughs> so, anyways, Chip, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here. I mean, it's been close to well, it's been literally ten years since uh, I've spoken to you. What's uh, what's been happening? And Granada is is just the craziest place to live. I mean, it's a beautiful city. It's it's really is one of the great little treasures of of Spain. It's fantastic. We were you there's the Booga Club. Do you remember the Booga Club? I think that was the place we used to play. Yes, I played there. The place, I played there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it, with the, with the, with the stairs, with the stairs out the front. Remember the big yep, stairs? Yeah, epic stairs. Yeah, yeah. It's a great club. The promoter nearly wanted to knife me that night because we thought we were turning up with two bands and we turned up with one band. Oh, I remember they, you saying that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a bit, a they bit tried hairy, to shake wasn't it? me down. They shake, tried to shake me down in the back room after the gig. And I just laughed and then they laughed and then they gave me the money. But anyway, it, it yeah, seemed like it was... Did Booger, did Booger Club pay all right? Yeah, they played pretty well. Yeah, I think they were okay. Yeah, they were. They were. They weren't a bad one actually, but it wasn't bad. Out of interest, Eric, was it Eddie Roberts and the Fire Eaters playing? It was. It was Eddie Roberts and the Something Something. I don't. Yeah, and the Fire Eaters. Yeah, because we we did an album that's the uh, called Burn. Eddie Roberts and the Fire Eaters, which is a bit of a hidden treasure. I think it's one of the best things we ever did. And You're basically, right. when when I hit Madrid, I uh, I went and sat in with the new Mars Sounds when they came to play, and everybody knew me overnight because they're a massive band there. Uh, and I started this band called The Fire Eats for Eddie, so he could come over on his own and just do some touring. And we did an album, and, and it was a really good little 
a little band and we did a really good album called Burn that's, that's just absolutely brilliant I really love it it's one of still one of my favorite things I've ever done so um, it, was, it was a good little scene that around Madrid around across the whole of Spain really for for a good five ten years and that that night that I met was in La Boca del Lobo do you remember that one was that was the place where we that jam night on the Wednesday night was was brilliant and we had everybody that anybody's come we'd have the Dapkins came and sat in you name it Corinne Bailey Ray anybody that was around used to come and sit in with us it was a right little it's a really really nice time you know like there's like moments in time, isn't there, with music where everything's right. You've got a good club, good promoter, a little circuit, and you've all got your bands and stuff like that. And and, and it was just the, the Madrid scene came alive with this sort of soul and funk that, that was kind of bubbling away. With people like, you know, you know, just exploded. Absolutely. I mean, there was something about kind of stepping into Spain and, and you know, like the, I guess from an Australian or an Antipodes uh point of view you, you kind of you might immediately align spain with like you know flamenco or latin mm-hmm. you know latin infused type music but you get over there and i mean i know for me like in granada for example i mean that was joey strummer moved to granada in the 70s and Did more of that lit the fire for a garage rock scene so yeah. down south of spain there was like this fucking like banging garage rock scene there was a banging soul funk scene there was studios yeah all across the south of Spain that were just like, whoa, what the hell is going on here? Um, they do like their music and they're very, very, they're very much into the clubs and going out. I mean, that, that, and that feeds the whole process for everybody because you can put something on and people will go. And it's as simple as that. Did you record that Eddie Roberts um, side project uh, in Spain? The Eddie Roberts and the Fire Eaters album, yeah, we did it in um, the Sweet Vandal studio. The, um, was I was talking about before, a band called the Sweet Vandals. They're a bit like the sort of Spanish Dat Kings. They were kind of that kind of yeah. sound, that sort of soul, old soul sort of sound. And they had the studio, and we, we recorded it there. But Eddie actually mixed it. It wasn't recorded. It wasn't mixed there. Um, so yeah, it's. Uh... I don't know if you got a chance to check this one out, but there was a studio down in a, in a town called Marbella, mm-hmm. and it was owned by um, a very famous Englishman. Who uh, I forget what, what what the band was called. His name is Trevor Murray, and he played drums like across all of like the Tricky Records and this whole sort of trip hop right. thing in the early nineties. Yeah. And he, you know, I guess you know, made a made a good good packet and decided to move to the south of Spain and bought this property mm. um, in Marbella that had a Harrison desk um, overlooking the Mediterranean Ocean oh. and. And I saw I saw the website, and I was, and this is like back to the hustle that was is talking about. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm just gonna get, you know, go down there. So um, I was in the UK, and I found this, you know, amazing um, singer. Uh, what you know, I mean, she was just, she was great. And I was like, oh, yeah, we've got this big, you know, and I kind of bullshit. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm from the UK. I was like, no, I'm not I'm from Australia. And I live in Granada. <laughs> I'm from the UK and, you know, I've got this great new project, this amazing singer and, you know, we'd love to come check out the studio. You know, maybe we can uh, look at doing something in the future. So we went, we drove, got a car, drove down to Marbella and uh, Trevor greeted us and put on an awesome spread and told us about how Kylie Minogue recorded there and um, he basically did all wow. these pretty big flamenco records there as well. And yeah, um, bet, yeah. basically told us, you know, awesome rock and roll stories from like the 80s and 90s. And uh, and then I, and you know we got a free feed and off we went. <laughs> 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 did 
did you did you run your hands over the faders on the desk while looking at the Mediterranean? Yeah, that's okay. right. That's I'm done. Yeah, yeah. I'm done. I'm yeah. out. Thanks. It's really good. Be in yeah, touch. Bye. Be in touch. I'll get my people. I'll get my people to call you. <laughs> anyway, hey, maybe we should um maybe we should take um the our listeners through a quick quick brief history of chips uh, last fifteen years. So so chip, you're from the UK originally. You moved to Spain in the yeah. mid two thousands, was it? And your wife Susanna is Spanish. And she's an yeah. amazing singer as well, salsa singer. Um, we we did an album called Malena that came out on Freestyle Records, Fried Fried Samba, if you want to check that out. And that's like a Schema Records sort of style, cut and paste Brazilian thing. That was yeah. <laughs> that was Susanna. Sell it up, mate. Sell it. Um, well, you know that that sample sample beats. Do you know what I mean? Sample breaks yeah, yeah. with live playing over it. That kind of Schema Records thing. You know, it sounds like an old record, but it clearly isn't. And so you were in Spain to the mid mid two thousands, were you? Or when? Two thousand thirteen. Two thousand thirteen. Yeah. So it's seven years ago now. Yeah. And they've yeah. been in Doha since two thousand thirteen. Yeah, well, it's just like like I think like a lot of musicians are finding it's very hard to to sort of um, to have a real world life and bring up children and have a kind of normal career and stuff uh, on the money that we get paid. So. Um, mm. And obviously, at the same time, profit and money from making records has been dwindling and dwindling. And so, really, I've just I got on the hustle myself and was just sort of I left the UK because it was getting tight and tough. And obviously, my wife being Spanish, we always had that option of going to Madrid, where she's from. And so we went there uh, and loved it. I just it was like a rebirth for me, actually, just just exploded. And I did better in the UK when I was out of it than I was in it. As this kind of typical irony of. You're more interesting yeah. when you're not around very often, sort of concept. I think you know, um, and did all that. You're like the Gareth Bale of um, of music. <laughs> exactly what I'm like. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Apart from I didn't spend the whole time playing playing golf and not learning Spanish. <laughs> and I, that's all he does. Apparently, he doesn't, he doesn't know speak Spanish Spanish at all. He just spends his whole time playing golf. And apparently, nobody likes him. I don't know. This is true. Or not. This is just gossip now, but. He makes no effort, bless him. He's just like banking the money. And... We've got our own legal team on hand, so if anything, you know, you yeah, say. Allegedly. 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 And so, and when you moved to Madrid, uh, sorry, when you moved to Doha, that's when your sort of solo career has taken off, hasn't it? Yeah, I was sort of, um, yeah, again, it just got tight in Madrid again. And my wife works for international schools, so we've always got this kind of parachute option of just disappearing, you know. So, although we've got two kids, so that's not quite as simple as that. But um, but no. we, we had friends out here, and we kind of it's, it's a bit of a sounds like a bit of a strange place to come to, but actually it, it worked really well. She's got a fantastic job, and uh, you know I can get on with it here, and I can go backwards and forwards from here. So, it it, it was actually. A very smart move and it made my world more creative because i had more freedom from here than i did back in spain or especially in the uk where you just got no money to do anything you, you might have all the ideas but you've got no time you're doing all the stupid jobs rather than important yeah. stuff whereas here i do i work i do i teach you know I teach classes and stuff music classes part-time and then i just yeah. go backwards and forwards and just get on with the writing and practicing and playing like i should be doing i do i do gigs here the very small gigs lots of little little jazz nothing big here nothing interesting here but it doesn't matter because i got i got back on tour and that's that's my interest sorted I, you know it's fine is it like a hotel scene in doha like playing hotels yeah. or 
yeah, which, which sounds a bit weird, but basically there's no, there's no street with bars on as such. All the, all the kind of drinking activity and clubbing activity goes on inside hotels. These huge five-star yeah, hotels yeah. have all got like four bars and three clubs, and they're all five, you know, they're just mega each one. So it's a slightly different vibe. So get a feed on the gigs? So they're going to get like get a meal on the gigs? I get, I'll tell you what, if I tell you what I get, I get paid extraordinarily well. I get valet parked. I get people oh. carrying my gear up to the gig. I get fed the same as the punters. If I do a function gig and, and they give you a table in the corner or in the room, not around the back where the chef is, they don't give, yeah, you, a, yeah. they don't give you a curly sandwich and a packet of crisps like you do in England. So yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Um, a very sport it's, it's an interesting one, you know. I mean, I think a lot of, there's so much kind of, there's so much sort of like, inflated bullshit that comes in like the world of like being an indie musician and you know you know it's like you're just gonna work really really hard work really really hard and then one day you're gonna become a multi-billionaire um that doesn't exist that doesn't exist um and then i guess as you sort of you know start to figure out how life works a little bit more and and just go well what do i want my life to look like well i want to like play music every day i want to be creative and i want to eat really well I guess those kinds of spaces, you know, when you find that perfect little um, that per- that perfect storm, then why why leave? You know, um, well, it's, I mean, that's kind of where I totally agree, and I I don't know any musician that doesn't have to do something else to pay the bills. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and that's the reality. Well, that's why we do this podcast, and this is basically the primary. <laughs> And yeah. uh, you know the music is the side hustle. The big sponsor, big sponsorship deals you're signing as we speak. Or we're we talking about that a bit later today. We are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Too many unofficial sponsorships. Not enough official. We need. We should have added that to the suggestion box, Eric. Yeah, we will. We will. Hey, um, what do you reckon? Is it? Are we almost time for Instagram? Uh, Instagram like of the week? Is that? Is that where you're Let's going? Let's do it. Let's go. You, you take it, man. I'll take it. Well, I guess. Um, I mean, this is uh, this is one of those sort of uh, little, I guess, what were they called? Segments. This is a segment that you know is quite divisive. We're, we're, basically, it's uh, we're going to stay the course here, but every week we uh, we basically shout out someone new that we've decided to like on Instagram. Um, it's a bit of an inverse in relation to kind of being an influencer. We more or less support influencers. That's kind of. To, to take on that and you know get right get right behind them with a with a full full steam of enthusiasm so without further ado was do you want to let the listeners know uh who we have decided to add to our 10 likes on instagram okay so for the 11th like this week i've got i've got someone uh who was originally born in Los Angeles in the early part of the 1980s. She's an actor, a feminist, and a philanthropist. Oh, my God. Philanthropist. Oh, God. It's not a good... What does she she collect out of interest for this philanthropy? Is she she collecting things? That is for you to determine, Chip. Um, and, And none of those things have to be in that order either. Okay, so the second clue for our Instagram like of the week is that at university she completed a double degree in theatre studies and international relations. Okay, so born in the 1980s in Los Angeles, California. 
and active feminist philanthropy. I'm just not concerned. Philanthropy. Sorry, was she? She completed. She did a double degree in theatre studies and international relations at uni. All right. The third clue. The third clue is that apparently her nose is one of the most requested when clients have their first meeting with their plastic surgeon. <laughs> She's got a go-to nose. A go-to nose. All right. People like the nose. She, is she called the nose? She's the nose. I don't know what percentage of people request it, but I believe it's quite large. Not the nose, the percentage. I was about to say. <laughs> yeah. Okay. She's recently been Very the confused. subject of... She's recently been the subject of some major press attention around some family dramas. Oh, well, that could be anybody. Well, it could be. Anybody but... in showbiz. Okay, family. Or anybody who's a philanthropist, feminist, and actor who has a double degree. This is. I'm going to give you the last clue. Okay. And it's a fun fact. Yeah. Her dad was the director of photography on the American sitcom Married with Children. Okay. I don't think that has helped me at all. Okay. Um, Is is the family that she's embroiled in a conflict with quite a famous family? I I would say they're quite famous in certain regions of the world. Like would they be famous in the UK? I think they'd be pretty famous in the UK, yeah. That would be one of the places they are famous. pretty, Pretty well known in the UK. I would say most people in the UK would know who they are. Okay, cool. So, is this uh, is this um, actor is 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 uh, are they married to an ex service member in the British Army? I, I believe that that may be the case. Yes. Okay, I'm going to take a stab, Chip. Do you know who I'm talking about? I think I've, I've finally caught up. Yes. All right. Are we talking about Megan? Uh, Megan Mark Merk, Markle, Megan Markle, Megan Markle, the, the Duchess of something or other, isn't she now? Duchess of something, well, something, not, not anything anymore. I don't think, anything. but anyway, Duchess of Sussex. Uh, oh, they gave that one up, didn't they? I think they gave it all up. But Arik, along with Tom Selleck, it's a sad story. You can add, you can add to the list of successful guesses, yes. and we welcome to the all music. Is good Instagram like family this week, and we will reach out to her, of course. And Absolutely. I think uh, I think we'll get Chip to to get on to Harry this week to let her know. But Megan Markle is what am I? Am I have, you, have I been lined up as the token pom here? Is that no, what's no, going the token, on here? Chip, we no, 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 not at all. You, you're the, the, token the Northern Hem- Hemisphere correspondent. Just get it. one in every now and again. It will whinge a bit, but we'll deal with it. You know, I say Northern Hemisphere correspondent slash. Royal liaison. Oh, I'll take that. Yeah, royal, royal correspondent, I think, is the one royal we're looking for. That works. Well, there, there you have it. So, look, Chip, it's great to have you on the show tonight on our, on our little podcast. And I actually looked at the stats <laughs> this week on Spotify oh, podcast. We're going up, man. Oh. We, we, really, there's a linear increase. Not an exponential. It's... I'll tell you what, guys, I'm not quite sure what this um, this hot tub debrief thing you've got going, and, and or especially the inflatable hot tub debrief, but I think if you wanted to go actually sort of with video, 
you might well send your numbers through the roof with that little idea. I think you're on to a little bit of a winner with that one, an inflatable hot tub debrief. Look, we have the, the meeting with the board of the directors at the end of the month, so I think we'll definitely be putting that one on the I agenda. I bet they suggest it even, you know. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, look, was I reckon the big – I mean, is, is this spike more or less driven by Ryan Munro? Is this what, what – <laughs> I think he might have listened to it four times this week, so that could have really helped their numbers. <laughs> He's a good it. man. I'm going to spend man. all week clicking on it just to get my numbers yeah. up above his. <laughs> yeah, well, that is that is one of the guest requirements, absolutely. Trip, thanks for coming on tonight. Um, we're going to have a quick break and then we're going to get on with the music for tonight. So the first album we have for you this week is Nubaya Garcia's new album, The Source. Nubaya was born in 1991 in London to a Guyanese mother and a British Trinidadian, Trinidadian, Trinidad, geez, my pronunciation is all over the shop tonight. He's from Trinidad, filmmaker father. She's the youngest of four siblings. Garcia followed her older siblings to local Saturday music to the local Saturday music center at the age of five, where she learned the violin and later played the viola, the viola in the London School Symphony Orchestra. Garcia has said her home life with her stepdad, a brass player with a vast collection of instruments, and her mother, a keen collector of all genres of music from reggae and Latin to classical and soul. Coupled with the music activities at school, Camden School for Girls meant she was saturated with music of all genres. Garcia began learning the saxophone at the age of 10. She became a member of the Camden Jazz Band, directed by jazz pianist Nikki Yeo, before joining the Junior Jazz Program at the Royal Academy of Music. She also attended the workshops under the direction of Gary Crosby. While still in high school, she received a scholarship for a five-week summer program at Berkeley. During her gap year, she studied with former Jazz Messengers member... Jean Jean Toussaint. In 2016, she graduated with honors from the Trinity Laban Conservatoire of Music and Dance in Jazz Performance. In 2017, Garcia released her debut EP, Nubai's Five, via the label Jazz Refreshed. That year, her band was an opening act at Giles Peterson's Worldwide Festival and Set. The following year, she played at the New York City's Winter Jazz Festival and Jazz Fest Berlin. In 2018, her 2018 EP, When We Are, Garcia delved into the electric jazz environment and the EP was created as a result of the Steve Reed Innovation Award. She is also a member of the Naria, Narija, a collective, and the band Mayasha, led by drummer Jake Long. In addition, she is a collaborator on a number of albums on the British jazz scene. This album, Source, is her debut album. So I'm going to kick it off, if that's okay, guys. Um, Go for it. Right away. I think if you take away the drums from the first song, uh, which is called Pace, on this album, then you'd have a lovely modern spiritual jazz track that I'd actually really like. But once you add that broken beat drum and bass influenced percussion into the mix, then you have an opening song that I sort of found that was quite exciting, exciting and as an album opener. I think it says that there's musical possibilities ahead for anyone who wishes to explore further. 
So the cynic in me would say that this was a total exercise in cross-promotional marketing. But regardless, I think it signaled that this was going to be a jazz album played by people who people who live in the here and now. And I thought it was a great start. So that led into like uh, into the flowing and somehow familiar. I, was it The Message Continues? Is that track two? Um, maybe it was a bit yeah, Glasper-ish. Um, maybe it was a bit cinematic orchestra-ish. I couldn't sort of put my finger on it. Um, but the cross-genre references kept flowing with the up-tempo dub of like track three called Source. And by this stage, I was, I was thoroughly into this album and was really enjoying it. Um, it sort of had a bit of a, on a Melbourne scene, it had a bit of a local JK group or ZFX vibe going on, Arik, I thought. Um, mm. think, things that I was thinking, like, obviously Nabaya is a is a great sax player and this is her album and she obviously plays the lead role. But what I felt was that she'd somehow managed to make it not feel like it was a sax-heavy jazz okay. album. Um, and I think that was due to the combination of actually very great really good mixing and clever arrangement uh and i also think it automatically makes this album really accessible across a number of markets i think it's fair to say that although we're only in episode nine Arik, we've reviewed reviewed nearly 40 albums now wow and i think there's a couple of couple of clear trends emerging so firstly we both hate that tiktok two minute song hook album that That's we true. both struggled Yep, we struggle to call that music. Um, it seems like it's noise made up by evil, evil marketing psychologists. Um, focus group music. Yeah, focus group music. The other trend that seems to be coming through is that a lot of music by young artists that they've grown up, um, as we talked about this last week, members of the Spotify mm. generation, and they're just exposed to multiple genres all at once. And they take these influences and they go and record these wildly cross-influenced albums so sometimes that comes out as a confused mess but at other times like in this case i think i think they're quite refined and come out as beautiful palettes of musical cross fusion and um i think the third trend was that also this was another awesome album that's come out of the uk on the young uk scene at the moment with the Something's going on. The um, Chip's part of this. Maybe you can comment some more. But the um, Leon Le Harvest album, the Zara McFarlane album. Jay Huss. The, um, J- not so much Jay Huss, but this album as well. I love um, So I've I've gone off on a musical, t- on a tangent here, but so apologies. But like I'd consider myself a big jazz fan. So I have heaps, heaps of albums. I listen to it a lot. But on the flip side, I'm not a jazz nerd or a jazz musician. And so... Um, the intricacies, the intricacies of jazz and being a jazz nerd and harmonic inversions, blah, blah, blah. They don't, that doesn't interest me. Like, so jazz to me is like a sense of musical freedom. Um, like it's a bunch of guys that have reached that point and they're playing and they understand the theory enough to be able to work effortlessly in and around the constraints that are presented without getting in each other's way. So I think that the effortlessness leads to feelings of freedom uh, and so when I listen to a jazz album, that's what I listen for. I, I, I look for that sense of freedom and space. And this album, what I'm, what I'm trying to say is this album gives me that in spades. Um, so I really liked it. If I'm being critical, 
Um, I thought the album perhaps faded a little bit in quality towards the end, the last few tracks. Um, maybe from the Cumbia track onwards, uh, or the Cumbia reference track onwards, but mm. um, still, I thought it was a, a really lovely album, and for a first time, full release, this was, there's a lot of quality here and a lot to like. Chip. Well, yeah, yeah, I... Um... Yeah, it's an interesting album. I think it's it's um, they're all part of a lot of the the bands you mentioned have all come out of a, a whole scene run by that Gary Crosby who run Tomorrow's Warriors, which was a sort of a youth jazz scene, and a lot of the a lot of the guys in that scene all sort of Moses Boyd and Theon Cross and all these guys and uh, Zara McFarlane. They've all come out of that same. Hmm. vibe coming out of that that workshop vibe that gary crosby who was who's an older generation jazz player in the uk and very well known around the kind of jazz warrior style the sort of steve williamson era 20 years ago um and courtney pine and all those guys and he set this up and they've all come out of that so there's a there's a lot of cross-pollination when you do your homework you suddenly realize she's in Maisha, she's in neria and she's in and they're they're all in each other's bands and they're all cross-pollinating and and um and and it's interesting for that and my 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 only thoughts about sort of picking up on what you're saying is that um i think there's a, a tendency for it to sound a bit like a compilation for my taste yeah a bit too much i know you're talking about it's nice to bring in different influences and i agree and i think th- but i think that's also got it's the flip side of that is that um is that you can end up um over overdoing that and i think the trouble that she has is that it's much anticipated this album she's very 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 important figurehead for this scene she was this okay the first kind of uh female star there's like shabaka hutchins was like the male star and he's very much established and she was the female star of the scene and she's very important in that role and 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 she, everybody's been looking forward to this album she's done a few eps and she's done lots of work with other mm. bands and lots of touring but she's basically already working on a high level before she's even put her first album out, which is a very unusual sort of situation. And, and hmm. in a way, it's kind of unfair pressure on her. I, I think, um, like you said, I think it's it's a good first album. I think the point I was trying to make was it's, was it's more a product of her age and what the generation is and how they, um, how they consume music now because people don't think of music in a especially at this young age in a set way they they just we've talked about many times that they just take all these influences and then spit them out and that's why yeah, i think but this i think, album but I, think I think we all that's not new as far as i can see and i think the trouble is like any any artist and if you want to become an artist you have to learn to blend all your different tastes and we've all Agreed. got lots of tastes that we blend together and then you come up with your sound and your the core of your sound and that might move around a bit in terms of genre or style but there's a sound there that you develop and and that it's that 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 process takes some takes some people time some people come out the blocks like yeah got it this yeah. is me and some people don't and i do feel this album with her is that i think she's still looking i think some some bits of it are great and some bits of it just completely leave me cold i couldn't i couldn't i couldn't work out what the hell was going on on some things you know what i mean for me um and i think the one thing i would say about the whole album is that having seen this lot live i mean i saw her um i saw a couple of years back in in uh, in hamburg a festival there in the x jazz festival and i went and watched her on purpose because I'd, I'd heard about her 
And the best thing mm. she did all night was a really quiet, gentle intro to a song where she played really beautifully, like sort of Wayne Shorter-esque, sort of beautiful lyrical, where, uh, and that was the best thing. It was a very interesting to watch her live because they all do, and they're all following Shabaka Hutchins, as far as I can see. And he's got this real Afro screaming saxophone over drums sort of thing going on in various sort of melodic levels but and she's trying to do that and that didn't suit her for me that doesn't suit her style of playing at all she's a much more elegant eloquent player more like a, a Wayne Shorter or kind of she references Joe Henderson and and, and I can yeah. see that a little bit in some of her melodies but maybe not so much in her playing but um she's not as angular as he is but um but, uh, but the, the thing I I do feel is this, this disconnect between the live scene that I've seen and the records that they're all making and this is a comment for all of them not just her is I think the quality of the records they're putting out, uh, it doesn't match the energy they're all doing live scene. And the live scene is brilliant, it's buzzing, it's packed. You go to these clubs and they're like full on events, you know what I mean? Huge bands, four piece horn sections, a lot of, a lot of real youth, a lot of real kind of, the kind of kids you didn't really see playing jazz before. And I think it's amazing and that's brilliant. They're not, for me, getting that energy into their records because it's very hard to take that kind of live energy, go into a record mm. and studio make a record. Hub energy. Yeah. It's because it doesn't work a lot of the time and they don't realize that yet. And you can hear it. I mean, you were talking about the last few tracks um, sort of fading off the album a bit, but I thought the track eight was a classic example of this. It's like, um, uh, what's it called? In Demerara and something else. But um and it starts off beautiful. It's got a beautiful melody. And again, I've got my mm. issues with the rhythm section on this album, like you have was. I think there's there's some real there's some real overplaying. I don't mean that horribly. There's some real people that are trying to show what they can do rather than putting the music first, which again is a is a fault of inexperience. There's people in mm. the studio trying to say, "Hey, I could do this. I could do this," and and they're all trying to be Yusuf Days or you know, and they're not the music suffers as a result and i think that the track eight is a classic example is it's a beautiful start of really nice melody really 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 nice melody and then it just gets falls apart there's too much kind of yeah. everybody going crazy at once and there's a piano track and he's just banging away the piano and because in the studio you hear it all and it doesn't for me it doesn't work it's all energy and no style do you know what i mean that mm -hmm. doesn't translate to the studio. And and the one thing I would say is the tracks I liked on the album were the ones where they had roads and the tracks I didn't particularly like is where they had piano. Now that's something that I found really, really interesting when I look back at my notes is that the tracks I thought were really good is when Joe Armand Jones is on a roads and he's another one of the rising stars. Uh, and I really like what he does. He's just released an album not so long ago that was lovely. Um, and he he's got that Herbie sort of Rhodes Chick career Rhodes thing that gives it all this kind of the Rhodes is a great instrument giving something sort of pseudo electronica slightly old school new school sort of it sits between electronica and jazz really nicely it gives it gives a real vibe to that kind of music and they all use Rhodes Kamal Williams all these guys they're all madly into Rhodes you know that sound and I think this album works best when they're doing that they sound most relaxed when they're playing and they're, I think the piano tracks for me just sound a little bit kind of and and like you I mean the the, the tracks like the first track I thought I'm surprised you said that I thought it was an appalling start to an album that had been so anticipated <laughs> I just thought it was too fusion ECM withly like ah, oh god you know purist. I just I found it too way too vague night. It yeah. was it was just too fusion for me it was just I've heard so many tracks like that that it's just like well it's nothing I, I really want her to do. I want her to do well. I really think she's massively important. I think she's one of those characters, then she will do. I'm sure. 
I think this is just one of those getting going, you know. Mm-hmm. All right, can I pose you a question quickly? Sure. When, we, when someone does a complete takedown of an album in a British accent, does it like come out like it's not like as big as big as a takedown as it actually just was? I think it. Yeah, I think uh, I, I do get I that vibe. I think there's, I think there's something in in the kind of Australian twang, um, and and you know you know particular kind of emphasis that happens where, um, it, you know, it's you know we're not mincing words when we take down, but. The English have a wonderful way of, um, I guess, you know, I mean, I guess the language, the use of words, you know, it's way more words-based than tone-based. So, I mean, look, <laughs> what, what I could take away from Chip's take, um, which He's might... not happy. Well, no, but He's it might segue. It, but I think I think there's something in what Chip said that it's going to kind of come into, like, you know, my own sort of take on the record. Um, but I, I might just respond to... Some things Chip mentioned, um, in particular, the concept of like the uh, like the voice, you know, the artist's voice in in and in particular a jazz record. I'm not I'm not a jazz guy, um, you know. I've got you know I'll like the classics. There'll be a few kind of um, you know big jazz records that I'll kind of vibe with. Um, but recorded jazz music for me is something that I don't really kind of like sink in with. But there's something that you said, Chip, which I think is really, really important. And and going back to as well, what Wazza was saying is like, in a in a time where like you've got your Spotify's and and that kind of mishmash of I'm going to put this with this and I'm going to do that with this and that with that, in, in like a jazz kind of genre, that's all cool and like all the chops will be there and all the grooves will be there and all the vibes will be there. But that might potentially dislodge the core voice in the record and. And I get, I get the feeling from what you're saying and also I guess the way I responded to the record was it was really hard to kind of identify like the voice of the lead in this album um, mm. when you kind of True. compare it to like a Kamazi Washington record where it's just like, yeah. okay, it doesn't matter what the band's doing, you know it's Kamazi Washington, you know. Yeah, he owns um, it, yeah. yeah. That's that. right. So, and, and, and I, think, I think you've touched on something really good. I mean, like it's a big ask for a young artist to mm, kind of absolutely. walk in boldly and go this is my sound um you know you might argue that as a first release it's actually an ideal kind of way to kind of test the water and see what sticks and then perhaps on the second record that voice might kind of come to the fore a little bit a little bit more um what do you reckon about that ship? Like, you know, as someone that's made lots of records and I, I don't think she's sitting there thinking, I've just written this and I'll see what takes and I'll go with it. She's written a record that she thinks is fucking brilliant, I'm sure, and that it represents where she's at right now. I don't think anybody thinks, Oh, I'll try a bit of this, try a bit of that, and see which becomes popular. Sure. I don't think she's she's a really nice woman. I mean, I've had interviews with her and she's she's very thoughtful and she's a real thinker and you know, she's a she's a good character to have in the scene. Do you know what I mean? I just think mm-hmm. it's um uh, I kind of feel like a lot. I kind of, I kind of feel like she's been a little bit railroaded by the people around her. I do feel some of the musicians in the, on the album are there for themselves and not for the music, and certainly not for her. I think there's a lot of kind of um, overplaying, and 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 and, sure. and there's, she's not left with lots of space. And having seen her live, what she really needs is a really in, a band that leaves her room and, and leaves space for her sound and her and her concept to, to ring out at its best. But again. That's how she sees it, isn't it? Not how I see it. But so yeah. that's how she sees her development and stuff like that. And and mm. 
Um, my only worry is that is that is that she's got a fantastic chance to do some really good stuff because she's on Concord Jazz and she's got a wonderful profile. She's already a household name in the jazz scene. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. She's she's sitting pretty to do really well in life, and I think she's a kind of personality that will do it really well in a really good way. She's bringing loads of people with her. She's in loads of little bands and all of that. My worry is that she's trying to do too much and that she's mm-hmm. doing so many little bands with all her friends who are also yeah. trying to make their names at the same time that she's actually needs to possibly be very careful that she's putting enough work into her own albums and, mm-hmm. and spending enough time writing and rewriting and writing 20 songs to record eight. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Rather than writing yeah. 10 songs to record eight. I think there's a lot of that, that, that may be, and I don't think that she just strikes me that she's probably not getting great advice. People around her being mm-hmm. too sort of, Oh yeah, you're a genius with her. And, mm-hmm. and I don't think people are pushing her enough because I think she's, she's capable of a lot more than she's, that she's shown on this album. Do you know what I mean? Some, when she's good, she's enough. great on this album. And I love certain, like the second track, I, I've got an eight out of 10. I love it. A real kind of head y sort of stuff, but I don't like the digressions into dub. And I thought the production on it, some of it, they suddenly had this mad reverb on the saxophone. It was all a bit kind of, Oh, come on, guys. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, just yeah, press the button yeah. and turn it, you know. And I, and, and I didn't like the drum sound. I thought the drum sound was modern and, and boring sounding and too, you know, uh, uh, at all. And do you know what I mean? Well, I don't, I don't speak, think... You're, speaking, you're preaching to the converted over here, Chip. I mean, you couldn't find two, two, uh, two humans more into... Um, non-modern sounding drums. So, yeah, but that's—I know that's my taste. You listen to my own yeah, albums. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I yeah, like yeah. old school. Sound. I mean, that's uh, and and she would probably be horrified. But, um, but no. I think I—I I don't think it's—it's it's not disagree at all. I think she's going to do just fine. And I think the album will do. Well, interestingly, it's not—it's not playlisted on Jazz FM in the UK, which which I was quite shocked at. I thought it actually given the push it's got and it's Concord Jazz that she'd be straight in on list A on, you know, next to Gregory Porter and, you know, mm-hmm. all the rest of them. Mm-hmm. But she's not made album of the week or anything yet. I, I don't know if it's coming. Do you know what I mean? So it, it'd be interesting the reaction. Giles probably wants her to do album of the week on Worldwide FM or something. Chip. He's, well, he's done the, an interview I'll... with her this week. I saw an interview and he was with her holding out the vinyl. I haven't listened to it yet. I've listened to another one on Tony Minviel's show on Jazz FM, which is a really good show. And she did a chat on that and I listened to that because I knew we were talking about it this week. And it was a really good interview and she's a really nice, you know, she's really, you know, she's she's fine. She's going to be fine. It's just it's just her first album. And I think everybody's been waiting too long for it. I think she's been a bit mm. been a bit silly not to get this out a couple of years ago. I mean, if I'd done, you know, she needs to do an album a year for, for four or five years and really, really yeah, concentrate on the records less on the live stuff. I think she's very distracted by her touring schedule. Well, was I could I could basically um, I could basically say that um, you know Chip's deep analysis of this record has elevated this podcast to heights that have never <laughs> been seen before Absolutely. in the history of our nine episodes. I mean, I am I, looking I, up I, now. Yeah, right. We're looking up to the heavens and going. How did we get up here? This is pretty cool. Like, oh, like God. chips just like chips just kind of dropped dropped the Moab of musical dissection heavier than anyone. So I, I do feel it is my responsibility to kind of appeal to our base and potentially yeah. move this <laughs> along to our scoring system for the week. What do you reckon, one? Okay. Uh, I think we should do that. And like a good football game, Eric, there's four quarters. And That's this right. Is only the first quarter. This is only, the, only first the first quarter. quarter. That's right. Exactly right. He's, Have I gone so off too fast? He started well. He started well with twenty possessions. I'll, I'll so who flagging. knows what's going to happen? 
no, no, I mean, Chip, I mean, this is this, there is nothing but but praise for um, the, like legitimately without any tongue in cheek. We like our our stocks just rose like tenfold with that um, with that analysis. We've to, never to be fair. This is this is my scene, isn't it? I'm I'm very deep in this scene, and it's it is my kind of specialist subject. You know what well, I mean? And you and, won't be you won't be after that take down, Chip. That's true. No, no, I, 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 I stand by what I say. Do you know, I've been really fair. She's, she's a massive icon and she's, she's very important for people like me. Do you know what I mean? Her doing well makes it easier for me to do well. And I get that. And, and, and that's not the issue. The issue at all is I'm, I just wanted to do better. I just wanted to. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's shit. <laughs> okay, let's move, let's move on. Let's rate this thing. Eric, set us up with our scoring system for the week. Well, I think it's a, it's a, it's a great moment to kind of bring this in. Like, so whilst Chip is, deeply entrenched in a burgeoning um, jazz scene in, you know, one of the hottest music markets. I am entrenched in a particular scene and that scene is more or less from my house to like three blocks away and back because that's about as far as we can go. So in regards to this week's unofficial sponsor, for those tuning in for the first time, each week, um, the All Music Is Good podcast uh, basically um, has an unofficial sponsor. The sponsor has no, has given no permission for their name or likeness to be referred to in the episode. The sponsor um, has no idea that they are an unofficial sponsor and they contribute nothing to the podcast, but we do absolutely like to acknowledge their um, unyielding support spiritually. So, without further ado, I would like to announce this week's unofficial podcast sponsor, and it is Smoke and Vape. Smoke and Vape. Okay. Smoke and Vape. So, Smoke and Vape, which is situated on Sydney Road, Brunswick, I believe... I'll have to look at the number that it's situated on Sydney Road, Brunswick. I'll get back to you guys about that shortly. Is a, I guess you'd call it a family-run tobacco shop. There's not much information available online, but I do pay them regular visits. Smoke and Vape sell all smoke accessories, incense, rolling papers, the quote-unquote raw products range, vapes, vape juice, vape accessories and more um from a personal point of view thank you yes let's um give them a round of applause smoke and okay vape. yeah let's do that yeah so, smoke and vape uh look there's basically two guys there that they they're, they're sort of the guys in charge um they open at 10 a.m and they usually close by about 6 p.m um we're Is living you got <laughs> Open at ten and close at six. Smoke and vape. Smoke and vape. Ten a.m. and close at six p.m. And um, no, there's more to it. There's more to it. Um, So, smoke and vape. uh, That's where I buy my rolling tobacco. Um, It's a bit cheaper than the standard supermarkets. About three dollars cheaper per packet. And um, one thing that I have liked to kind of see during. during COVID is obviously there's there's sort of rules around face masks and all this sort of stuff but these guys have kind of fashioned this amazing kind of homemade plastic screen that goes from the counter to the ceiling 
and um, you know you walk in, you feel very safe. You're not going to get COVID. They don't wear they don't wear face masks behind the screen, but you kind of go, well, like, why would you? I mean, look at this amazing, um, in you know, fashioning of PPE. So, uh, you know, I, I like to pay them visits in the morning and, you know, he calls me bro, I call him bro. And um, and uh, and the most recent interaction was I went into there to get my champion Ruby 20 gram packet and, and he was out. He was fully out of champion. He said, I've got an order coming through, but bro, the government's just raised the price by like two, three dollars. So like, I just want you to let, I just want to let you know, give you a heads up like next time you come in it's going to be more expensive and i was like that's cool bro um and you know and 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 chip you'd know this from kind of living in spain that like you know there's nothing better than going to the kind of um like the local supermarket where like the prices are like or it's one euro or it's two euro or it's five euro like it's just it's just this wonderful kind of um Standardization of pricing. One, one euro bottle of Rioja. That was that was the right. that was a uh, one right. The onion also one euro. Um, like it just doesn't matter. Like, like there's a whole range of items that are one euro. Then there's two euro stuff. And there's five euro stuff. Yeah, so when you go, pain. they don't want to muck about. They don't want to play. Keep it simple. So you know All when right, you get to the point. Get to the point. You go into smoke and vape. It's like you've got your tobacco, and then everything else in the shop is like one dollar. So it's like, you want to get incense, $1. You want to get papers, $1. You want to get filters, $1. And I like that, you know, it reminds me of Spain. So I just want to kind of give uh, the, you know, the, the amazing crew at Smoke and Vape a big shout out for this week's, uh, for this week's All Music is Good unofficial podcast sponsorship. Thank you, Smoke and Vape. Thank you, Smoke and Vape. Congratulations. It's a it's a short list of people that have made it onto RX unofficial sponsorship list, and Smoke and Vape are obviously another worthy induction inductee into uh, into the All Music Is Good podcast unofficial sponsorship. Now we need to establish some kind of ratings Smoke and Vape rate rating scale, which we're going to rank all albums this week. I I, I don't even know where to start with this RX. I mean. <laughs> where, where, where do we start? Well, I mean, maybe we have we even considered that as as Chip with his Middle Eastern sort of um, roots at the moment, maybe we need to bring in some sort of shisha um, shisha reference as well. I mean, I don't know. Maybe there needs to be some. Oh, do they sell apple tobacco there for shisha pipes as well? I think you've I think you've landed on it. What? Um, I. Th- Basically, I mean, we could all agree that the best shisha tobacco is probably watermelon with a, with a dash of mint. So perhaps we could look at that as like our, as like our how many how many tokes how many tokes on the shisha pipe out of ten? It was. I think we need to shake it up a bit this week because you know we always end up with a one to ten scale, and I think this week let's go with like the value of the scale that we kind of implement. So if watermelon and mint is like the top range of the review yeah like that strawberry is kind of like mid-range and then uh (laughs) kind of molasses is this is going to be hard to put on my instagram post this week (laughs) um you don't care let's say watermelon's the top gum flavored shisha is like a dead zero 
Yeah, so where's um, Apple? Oh, uh, Apple's probably kind of moving towards the sort of six seven mark. So we've got watermelon and mint. We've got in the middle strawberry. Apple sits somewhere in between strawberry and uh, the other one, um, mint and watermelon. And then down the low end is uh, bubble gum. I mean, we've got someone who's in Doha sitting here, and you haven't even actually asked him what the most popular tobacco types are. That's doing true. rounds at the moment. I know. Anything, well, anything I don't that... smoke, so you're asking the wrong bloke. Do you know what I mean? I don't. I've never smoked, so it's it's all I all I know about shisha is what is what people blow all over me while I'm doing a gig. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of. Okay. Well, let's stick with the system. So we've okay. got gummers low. We've got mid range is strawberry. Apples kind of build beyond mid range, and then we've got watermelon and mint. Let's go. Was what do you reckon? Okay, well, look, I'm going to humbly disagree with Chip a little bit on this one because I actually do think that um, while he wanted something a bit more cohesive, I I truly think that um, when we grew up, we didn't have access to the amount of music that we have now and the, the younger generations have now. They are bombarded with every album they ever want at a really young age, and I think that has and has played a part on um, the, t- the the influences that people take in these days and at such a young age, and it does make a difference to albums. I, I, I liked this album, and I wasn't as hating on it as Chip was. I mean, you know, I, all I music is good, and, 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 and Chip can hate on this as much as he wants. <laughs> 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 so I'm yeah. going to, like... I'm going into the Apple I'm going to do something horrible in the hot tub at this point, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go into the Apple Territory. If we're thinking that's some sort of seven-ish sort of range, then I'll, I'm thinking this is this is a nice nice type of Apple um, tobacco that we're going to have a stick in the shisha pipe this week and we're going to just happily smoke away on that and we're going to enjoy it. All right. So Waz has given it an Apple. I might go next. Um Look for me. I, you know, I listened to this contextually. Uh, today was a really, really sunny day in Melbourne. I was very tired, about three o'clock, and I said, you know what? Maybe I'm just gonna put on a ja- this jazz record and just kind of sit back and chill. So, like in relation to like the intention that I, I paid this, I listened to it. Other <laughs> no, no, than excuse, like like it kind of like it started, and I was like, oh, this is nice. Um, and, and that's kind of where it was for me. It was just like a nice record, um, you know, uh, and it was perfect for that environment. Like I didn't feel challenged. I didn't feel offset or kind of, um, you know, like it didn't, it didn't connect. It didn't hit me in like in the feels. It just felt like a really nice sounding record. So um, with that in mind and given, I guess, I mean, you know what it's up against in relation to recorded jazz music i'd probably give it a strawberry so i'm going to give it a strawberry uh tobacco um in the shisha pipe what about you chip i actually agree with you it's 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 a nice album i think i think the trouble i've got is i've got i've got a kind of predispositions about it and sort of expectation i think is is the only issue i think it's more doing me than probably her um you know wanting these people to push the scene further and not just mm. to fizzle out. So I think yeah. that that's the only issue I've got with it. I mean, it's a nice enough album. It's a good first, it's a good debut album. There's nothing wrong with it. Do you know what I mean? It's it's nice. It's not shocking. 
There's some really nice bits. When they do go well, it's really good. There are some tracks that I do actually like, and I have listened to this album at least four or five times, which is quite rare. There's plenty of the other artists we've mentioned today. I've listened to their albums once and won't listen mm. to them again, but it's just not my kind of thing. But I have listened to mm. this one, thanks. And I, and I think it's, I, I think it's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a strong strawberry heading towards an, uh, heading towards an apple for me as well. I don't, I, I, don't I, I, I think it's important that she does well. And I think it's important. Yeah. The, the album will do well because it's on Concord Jazz, and it will do really well. And she'll do fantastic. She'll be fine. I just, um, you know, I just, I just wanted a bit more. I guess this is kind of in a sweet way, not in a, not in a, not like in a way. Just in a kind of like, oh wow, this is going to be, this is going to be something great, something different. And it wasn't different enough. There's nothing there. You wanted more. Well, I just wanted, you wanted something. You want to be blown away. I wanted something I could pull away from her saying, oh, yeah, she's doing that. Wow, that's really cool. And I didn't get any yeah. of that feeling. It's a nice album and it nice. Mm. And it, and it, mm. and it just, you know, and, and she's nice. I really like her. Do you know what I mean? She's a fantastic musician. And she'll go, she'll go on. It's just, it's just, she needs time. She needs to just get on with it a bit. That's all. Put out a bunch of albums. Yeah. And she'll come up with something pretty heavy. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, the, the, yeah she will. Yeah. So we've got an Okay, so we'll. Uh, so, yeah, that, that, you go, Eric. You take it. Sorry, was An apple strawberry from Chip. Was as kind of landed on on just you know he's a purist apple kind of a guy, and I'm a pure strawberry kind of a guy. So uh, we're across the board for this one. That was uh, Nubia. Was Nubia. Nubia. Nubia Garcia. Nubia Garcia's record. Um, Source. 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 How, how about I do this? How about I take the outro, Eric? That was Nubia Garcia's album Source. Thank you, Waza. I've been thinking about when I was trying to be your friend I thought it was then, but it wasn't It wasn't genuine I was just so furious, but I couldn't show you Cause I know you, and I know what you can do And I don't want a war with you, I won't afford it You get sore even when you win The next album we have for you this evening is Fiona Apple's Fetch the Bolt Cutters Eric, lead us in. Fiona Apple McCarthy McGault, born September 13, 1977, is an American singer-songwriter, pianist, and poet. An eight-time Grammy Award nominee and one-time winner, her albums have reached the top five on the US charts in four consecutive decades. The youngest daughter of actor Brandon McGault, Apple was born in New York City but was raised alternating between New York and her father's home in Los Angeles. Classically trained on piano as a child, she began composing her own songs when she was eight years old. Her debut album title, containing songs written when she was 17, was released in 1996 and received a Grammy Award for Best Female Vocal Rock Performance for the single Criminal. She followed with When the Porn, 1999, produced by John Bryan, which was also critically and commercially successful and was certified platinum. For her third album, Extraordinary Machine, 2005, Apple again collaborated with Brian and, uh, sorry, Brion and began recording the album in 2002. However, Apple was reportedly unhappy with the production and opted not to release the record, leading fans to protest Epic Records, erroneously believing that the label was withholding its release. The album was eventually, um, sorry, the album was eventually reproduced without 
Brion and released in October 2005. The album was certified gold and nominated for a Grammy Award for Best Pop Vocal Album. In 2012, she released her fourth studio album, The Idler Wheel, which received critical play praise and was followed by a tour of the US and was nominated for the Grammy Award for Best Alternative Music Album in 2013. Um, Apple's fifth studio album, Fetch the Bolt Cutters, was released in 2020 to widespread acclaim. She sold over 10, millions, 10 million albums worldwide and has received numerous awards and nominations, including a Grammy Award, two MTV Music Awards, and a Billboard Music Award. We are looking today at Fiona Apple's Fetch the Bolt Cutters. I might lead um, us into this one. Um, go, Eric. Go hard. Thank you. And it is it is kind of interesting just even going through the kind of um, the bio that there is something about American music where there are these sort of darlings of the Grammy Awards. Like, for me... Mm not particularly familiar with Fiona Apple's work, but then I go through the bio and she's obviously four, you know, four times nominated for a Grammy Award across multiple categories and you get the feeling that there's something kind of going on just like, okay, Fiona Apple has a position in music and and she needs to be kind of revered. That's like my, my initial take, I mean, you know, in comparison to so many other brilliant artists. I'm not saying she's not outstanding, but I, did fi- I do find just even going through that bio – Okay, what's what's setting her aside to be this kind of, you know, uh, high-flying, award-winning solo artist across all these multiple categories? So, look, I don't want you know that might sort of set up what I'm kind of going to say about this record for me. Um, uh, when I when I listened to it, it gave me that sort of 2010 to 2015 vibe. You know, thinking you know Feist or early Saint Vincent with a sort of subtle Cheryl Crow twang, which I kind of found really interesting. Um, You know, the standout tracks for me are actually, you know, being the uh, the lead, you know, the the song that yeah, the title track, Fetch the Bolt Cutters, um, 100% gave me this all I want to do is have some fun vibe, like completely (laughs) the sort of iconic sort of, you know, I wouldn't say rap, but like a spoken kind of lyric thing that was going on there. Um, I really enjoyed the sound design. Um, it was like cool percussion section, really nice double bass work. And at the end of the track, I really liked the kind of dog barking section at the end of that song. Mm. Um, for me, uh, you know, looking at the al- album overall and not being sort of super familiar with Fiona Apple's work, the whole thing felt like an album for the fans. It was like there wasn't like a standout mm-hmm. song. It wasn't something that said, hey, introducing me to you, I'm Fiona Apple. It felt more yeah. like if you're into me, you're just going to love this. And um, and that was the kind of record that, that it felt like. Um, another track that stood out for me was Ladies. I really liked the groove. And in the context of the record, it was like this much-needed pause. Like there was this, all yeah. of this. So there was a lot going on and then suddenly ladies dropped and you just had this moment to kind of exhale and 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 I thought its position in the record was really, really good. And then the other song that I, I liked was a song called Heavy Balloon. I liked the instrumental section and I I, I liked how roomy the production was um, in that song and, and overall there was this really beautiful roomy thing going on that really suggested the whole thing kind of went down live and, uh, you know, the band is, you know, locked in and... That's really it for me with Fetch the Bolt Cutters. What about you, Was? Um, Arik, I'm going to be on. Um, 
I'm not going to be 100 miles away from you, but if I stretch my memory back to the dark ages of the 90s, I can recall a period of time known as, and still known as, grunge. And by the time 1996 rolled around, we were past the glory days of grunge. We were way past it. And the corporate clone bands were starting to pop their heads up all over the place. Bands like Bush and Live. Oh, yeah. Matchbox 20. Oh, God. It was grim. It, it was, was grim. Goo Goo Dolls, totally. What a, it was I, a, it look, was I remember the music. So what's that? Just moved aside and Seinfeld kind of stepped in to the world, you know? It's like the Seinfeld era. It was sort of that time when um, it was sort of waiting for a new genre to come up and, and take the mantle from grunge, basically. But I remember very clearly that there was a heap of buzz around Fiona Apple and the release of the album title. And as a young 20-year-old whippersnapper, I bought it and on the back of the hype. Yeah. And I really enjoyed the first couple of tracks and the I think the hit song was Criminal, maybe. That might have been the song. And Shadowbox as well. I remember Shadowbox, yes, yeah, that's right. And I remember thinking at the time that either that the hype didn't match the output or I wasn't old enough or cool enough to understand the genius. And so in checking out the album today, um, I actually went back and revisited a title. And to be honest, I don't think I feel any differently about it now than I did 25 years ago. Yep. It was a solid debut album but wasn't really a work of genius. And I think it was more record company marketing hype of a talented and very attractive young female artist. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that per se. Um, but I think more than anything else, what this exercise proved was that I obviously had an, in, an inherent talent to accurately review music, even at the age of 20. <laughs> so that was, that was pretty clear, I think. So, so the album, well, it's a Fiona Apple album. It's quirky. It's it's interesting. It's sort of, um, I think it's a reflection of a artist who's in control of her own output. Um, mm. Like basically, you're invited into her world. Yeah. Um, and production wise, it's it's warm and inviting, and it had that sort of vibe of the band rehearsing in in her lounge room. Um, yeah. And I I also like the dog barking. I mean, a lot of people would hate that shit. Like they would yeah. absolutely hate it, but. Yeah. I thought it just added ambience, and that was really nice. Um, musically, like it's a band record. I mean, the drums, and I thought the drummer was actually quite good. Drum, like right. he was, he's talented. You know, the, the, the percussive elements were nice, and um, double bass is always is always great. Um, and she's got a a nice tenor vocal style and and an interesting delivery. So I was pretty ambivalent about listening to this album, Marek. Um so I I was actually more pleasantly surprised by it than than hating on it. Well, that's good because it is called the All Music Is Good podcast. So that's that's true. That's true. <laughs> I think as reviewers, as as reviewers, we try and bring an outlook of like zero expectations to every album we review. But in reality, that never happens because mm. because of our past experiences. So absolutely, some of my favorite albums that we've reviewed so far have been artists either that I've never listened to before or ones that I've had negative experiences with before. Yep. So yep. 
But on the flip side, artists that I really love are judged more harshly on previous output. For sure. So I'm not sure how fair that is or, you know, I think you've got to take all that into account when you're reviewing. Anyway, funnily enough, I loved Ladies as well. Mm. It had that sort of soulful, feel-good vibe about it. And I also really liked the title track, Fetch the Bolt Cutters. And I thought it had that sort of um, Joni Mitchell doing Dylan Mm. vocal rap vibe Mm. about it, which Mm. I really like. So, again, I completely agree with you. I think... Um, Fiona Apple fans are going to love this album. Um, will it get her a bunch of new fans? Probably not. But personally, uh, I mean, not personally, um, having sort of read some of Fiona's interviews over the years, I don't think she would give two shits whether people <laughs> like it or not. She's yep. she's that sort of artist. She, she does her albums. She enjoys doing them, and she doesn't care what people think about them. This is like her artistic talent, and this is her artistic output. And, you know, if people like it, great. If they don't, no big deal. Uh, so, yes, I, I I think I kind of was surprised and pleasantly surprised. Chip, what do you reckon? Yeah, it's really interesting. And when I first, you know, it's, it's sort of the first thing. I love the title, Fetch the Bolt Cutters. There's a great drama in that. Yeah. And, I, and I completely agree with you in terms of tracks like Ladies. That's the, that's the kind of the, the one that I latched onto as well. But it's possibly the straightest song on the album as well in terms of yes. you know, songwriting. That's probably why I like that. It does strike me as a very sort of Tom Waits-esque sort of post-Rain Dogs mm. sort of album where she's just per- loads of percussion, loads of really yeah. kind of intimate personal tension and some great swearing in there. Do you know what I mean? It's it's really, it's really quite a yeah. dark album, I think. Do you know what I mean? And a lot of, it's quite intense. Yeah. And, and on first listening, I just, I, uh, I struggled with it because it's too. It is for like you're saying, it's her, it's her. This is what I want to do now, and it's very Tom Waits in terms. Of, if you're into the artist, you'll dig it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd Great never time. heard of her. I'd never heard of yeah. her at all. So I was kind of, I listened to it, and I found the the tension without the release quite difficult. It was all too much build up you yes. know kind of woof do you know what i mean i i think it's it, it, it's cool because it's quirky and it's packed full of vibe and all the Joni mitchell cheryl crow references i completely agree with she's a she's a very good singer and she's a very good songwriter and and this is mm. totally like a i'm gonna do what i want to want to do album um for me i didn't really like it on i've listened to it a couple of times and I, it, it made me think well what, what what am i missing here so i started working backwards through some songs of hers so i thought there's <laughs> gonna we be go. we're going we're going deep well you were talking about how her, 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 her i didn't know she'd won any emmys and stuff like that until you just said it yeah. but i started going backwards and the more backwards i went through her the, the more i liked her stuff and i'm like oh okay yeah yeah yes. i get this now she's she's massively talented do you know what i mean and she's a fantastic massively songwriter talented, and she's yeah. she's all yeah. she's the real deal do you know what i mean and i i think i agree with you in terms of uh record companies and looking good and grammy awards yes. i think all these things are all part of the the mix aren't they a little bit do you know what i mean and she's and she's yeah, a very yeah. I, I watched an interview and she's a very interesting personality as well she's very straightforward she's wonderful she was talking about coming very well, straightforward saying coming back off tour he said why did why do you leave gaps between touring and making the next album she says well when i come back after i finish the tour that's it the album's done i don't know if i'm going to write another album and i thought oh that's interesting she's quite she doesn't she's not she's got very a great straight, vi- straight. she cuts she cuts 
she's she's grounded. She's a grounded person. Yeah, yeah. And she's she's not got some big corporate plan. I don't think in her own head, even if her record company are good right. at it. I don't think she's thinking that at all. I think it's, you know, a really interesting video as well. The guy from from The Hangover as well in one of her songs in Not Not Above Love. It's a great video with the guy from The Hangovers in it. And he's he's singing the song and reading the lyrics. It's really cool. Check it out. But I liked her older yeah. stuff, the stuff you referenced for criminal and shadow boxer, fast as you can. I started listening back to stuff. And the more back I went, the more I liked it. It was really, really interesting. It was really, I didn't really like this album at all. It's, it's too dark for me. I like, I like, I do like sort of Tom Waits and all that, but mm. to a point beyond Rain Dogs, it gets too percussion and too crazy. Well, she is, you know, she is a, ma- sounds I mean, like that you know, to me. touching on some of the things that you guys have both said, you know, I mean, she's a major label artist. She's Epic, Epic Records and Columbia Records. So, you know, perhaps there's that, she, you know, She's definitely fit into a particular offering that they're they're going for, um, you know, which is that kind of alternative tip, and she's mm-hmm. the queen of it. I mean, she's really, you know, well, she's that Tori Amos sort of genre yeah, as well. I would exactly. Say. Yep. Yep. So moving along to uh, the scoring system, I might go first. So um, you know, I'm toking on the shisha on a on a humid night in Doha. You know, yes. overlooking the construction <laughs> of a of a new football stadium and pondering what twenty twenty two is going to look like. If you sit in the right place, you can see all the stadiums being constructed. Right, <laughs> not far and, apart. And um, and I think I'm going to give this. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to go with an apple again. Uh, interestingly, given her name's Fiona Apple, that was absolutely nonsense. <laughs> I like it. Um, but yeah, look for me. Uh, you know, I've I've been played. I've been introduced. Fiona Apple many times it's it's just not it's like when I was of the age to be into that I just wasn't and I don't think Mm. I ever came back so I thought yep it's all good and it all works but it's not it's not an album for me um so I'm going to give it an apple okay Chip what do you what about you mate um I think I'm going to go sort of middle I get it I don't like it it's that kind of thing. I, I, I'm very interested by her and I'm now going to go away and listen to lots more of her older stuff, which is a good part of the process because it's made me dig deep and not just go, oh, I don't like her. She's, you know, I don't like this album. It's way too personal for somebody that doesn't know anything about her. I, 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 it's too <laughs> impenetrable for me. Do you know what I mean? It's too, yeah. it's too yeah. heavy. Um, so I, I, the album for me is, is a strawberry, um, yeah. Yeah, a Wimbledon strawberry with a very expensive strawberry with a small dollop of cream on it, I think. Um, but yeah, I could see. I can. I get it though. I get it. I get it. I don't like it, but I get it. All right. What about you? Okay, so Chip gets it, but he doesn't like it. Um, I'm on the other side of the. I'm going to give it a. I'm going to sit back and toke on some stronger Ooh. apple tobacco. Okay. I'm not going to go into. Actually, no, not strong. I'm going to go. What, what's the middle one? Strawberry. Oh no, no. Strawberry so I think the mid, like middle strawberry. You, you, I think you got mixed up. I, I did get mixed up. up I was meant to give it a strawberry. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna smoke on some uh, stronger strawberryish um, tobacco because I thought it was it was okay. Um, and I I yeah I, I'm not sure. I can't really put my finger on it, but I thought it definitely wasn't too personal. I just thought it was a. It's nice to see uh, artist at that age still producing really interesting and 
Like, I wouldn't say she pushed boundaries. Mm. She she didn't push boundaries, but she really like she pushed herself. You can see she's mm. pushing herself doing this, yeah. and I respect that. And yeah. so, I'm going to smoke some uh, strong strawberry tobacco in her honor. <laughs> so, so we've got an we apple. Got? We've got so uh, we've got a strawberry, no. a strawberry, and a strong, more flavoursome strawberry. That's right. So that was Fiona Apple. Yeah, that was Fiona Apple's. Fetch the bolt cutters. So the third album we have for you this evening is Hannah George's All That Emotion. Uh, Hannah George's George as are we going with George as guys? Oh, George's George's. Gorgeous. I think we should call it Gorgeous. Gorgeous. Hannah George's Gorgeous is a Canadian pop rock singer-songwriter based in Vancouver, British Columbia. She was nominated in the categories of Best New Artist of the Year and Songwriter of the Year at the 2011 Juno Awards and again at the 2013 Juno Awards for the Songwriter of the Year and Best Alternative Album. Originally from Newmarket, Ontario, she moved to British Columbia, Victoria, British Columbia, to attend university. And while in university, she recorded a number of song demos in a friend's recording studio and quickly attracted the attention of other area musicians, releasing her debut EP, The Beat Stuff, in 2009. The EP garnered airplay and saw George S. win the Bucky Awards for the Best New Artist. Now, I should... Do, what, what What's your knowledge of uh, Canadian radio, uh, Arik? I look. I've done some interviews on Canadian radio, and when I did do those interviews, I was like, "I've never heard of this station." So, uh, yeah, I don't have don't have a and lot. Like American radio stations that are all called KZR, ZM, and you oh, can never quite remember which one's which. Well, yeah. well, the Bucky Awards apparently were part of CBC, which I think is the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, which is similar okay. to the BBC or the ABC. Sounds and right. the Buckies were part of their digital. Think so in a, in the UK would be equivalent to BBC Six or Australia like Double J or Triple J. Yeah, yep. so well, it's a big she's deal. One, I think. Well, possibly, yeah. But I felt like I should give it some context um, yep. for our um, for our listeners tonight. Yep. She released her full length debut album. This is good on in April two thousand and ten. The album was long listed for the two thousand and ten Polar- Polaris music prize and i didn't do a deep dive on that and saw her perform dates on the lilith fair tour which was a bit of a big deal back in the uh 2000s um she released a second self-titled album in 2012 with dine alone records the album was long listed for another polaris music prize the one pop recording of the year at the western canadian music award she was nominated for songwriter of the year blah 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 all that emotion is her fourth solo release and the first in nearly five years now Arik, when one has an album review podcast and has Mm -hmm. to come up with four new albums each week that can actually turn out to be more difficult than it would seem would you agree it it is really really hard um it's not easy to find four albums that are recently released in 2020 and also Mm with with no knowledge of them and a kind of stab in the dark to hope that they're brilliant. Yeah. So so absolutely this is one of those albums that popped up somewhere on the radar. Yeah. And I listened to the first 30 seconds of it and thought, you know, yeah, sure, why not? Let's do this one. Now, yep. 
I will say that we've had some luck in the past using using this um, methodology, and I will reference uh, the Beth the Beths album oh, the as Beths. one. That's no, definitely at all time. That's going to go on the end of season highlights reel. So, <laughs> picking random albums and falling in love with them is probably not going to happen that often. Mm. And I'll probably cite the Cash Page album as one that would certainly fall into the albums that we don't love category. I would I would agree with that. And I feel like I might be doing a disservice to Hannah by calling her a random artist. Like she may be really well known in Canada. And yeah. like I'm just some Aussie guy with a podcast and <laughs> I've just decided to label her random. And that's probably yeah. really unfair. Completely. I totally agree with you. We'll we'll get you continue was. I can't continue. So, like, to our Australian listeners, I would probably compare Hannah Georges to someone like Sarah Blasco. Mm. So, a creditable mid-career indie artist who crafts well-written indie-style songs. And I think with this album, she's done a, a good job in constructing atmosphere. You know, there's obligatory use of retro synths for yeah. some hooks and arpeggiator mm-hmm. action. There's some breathy, ethereal vocals over... Understated, very breathy, understated anthemic style tunes. It's all, it's all there. Mm. Um, but I was listening to it and I was thinking, I think it's funny. Like, don't you think it's weird how certain instruments can transform songs from one genre to another? Like, um, what I'm thinking is like, like a bit of distorted guitar, mm. a louder drum mix, and some delayed lead could have mm. turned this album quite easily into like a Coldplay or a U2 album. 100%, so, yeah. So, I mean, that depending on your taste, that could be a really good or a really bad thing. Um, I thought there was a lot of restraint shown in the mix on this album. And to my mind, that was probably a good decision. But on the flip side, it really sat in no man's land. Like, I wanted yeah. more reverb, more atmosphere, more space, more width. Um, and they sort of felt like they went halfway and then stopped. It was way too safe for me. And... Um, the the songs sounded quite similar, and I had trouble working out what song was which after a while. They all just sort of yeah. seemed to blend into each other as one long song. And also, I'm quite guilty of brushing over lyrical content, as you are, Arik. In, I am. In, well, I mean, we, we go for, for music as opposed to lyrics. Yeah. But in this instance, like, there were really no boundaries being pushed on this album. And her voice is lovely, but... It just sort of felt, you know, very safe. So yeah. overall, overall, an enjoyable listen. Like I would be probably happy to give her another try if a new album came out. But like it was more of a Thursday afternoon album as opposed to like a prime time sort of album that I would put on. Um, the tracks that I liked, maybe Dreams and Someone I Don't Know. Um, they both had that sort of melancholy, uplifting indie vibe that you'd see played underneath like the end of a thousand films where the guy finally gets the girl or the girl gets the guy or the guy gets the guy or two guys get a girl yeah. or, you know, just something, yeah. you know, some, some sort of happy. The, 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 the soundtrack of, of, of when you kind of, you know, you're in a club and you... And your your mate says, "Go and speak to the sax player," but really you're just distracted by the beautiful woman in the corner. That, that kind That's, of that, look. I would have. I wouldn't actually think that would be a Hannah George's song. I would think that would be something 
a lot more uplifting and <laughs> uh, than than that. Maybe, maybe 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 it's actually maybe it's more like a like a montage of the sax player going home and going, "What was it?" You know, really felt I had a connection with that guy, but um, all he did was pay attention to someone That's else. right. It, it was definitely that. It was more that than you picking up the girl. Absolutely. Okay. All right. All right. Um, so, look, I just thought we didn't really hit with this one. We, you know, we gave it a go and it was fine, but it was not much more than fine. Yeah. Who wants to take it? I might go next. Um I I completely agree with everything you said was so I'm going to keep this pretty pretty brief. Um to me uh felt like a real kind of 2015 and 2018 kind of record uh, you know a, a time where there was this like complete sort of tsunami of like wispy vulnerable female vocal records getting made and it became this real thing that was like entirely you know what what it was just what was hip it was what was cool is this kind of vulnerability this sort of shakiness um yeah uh look i was into it for a few kind of records you know particularly like the xx i love that sort of stuff but um but but there is a kind of end date for that and i think the ship has yeah, sailed the train yeah. yeah, I feel as though the ship sailed with that kind of type of sound, and I think the world is a better place for it. I think I think it was just a you know it was a, it was a moment in time, and we don't have to go back there or revisit. Um, so within that context, I, I struggled to find a deep relevance for this record. Um, felt very introspective. That's not a criticism. Um, no, but you know, very much just a personal thing. And if again, I'd probably say. I, I, again, a similar thing. I'd imagine that you know, from all the accolades that you listed, was like, yeah, Hannah, Hannah, George's fans are going to dig this, you know. Um, do you reckon? But, do you reckon they will? Yeah. Well, I mean, it, yeah. There's something about it, and you know, I mean, this is not a diss on. Okay, whenever you say this is not a diss, you end up being making a diss. <laughs> Go there. We haven't gone there at all tonight. We've been very safe tonight. I haven't spent heaps of time in Canada and I haven't had spent heaps of time in Vancouver, but the time that I did spend in Vancouver, like I, I remember getting taken to like a, you know, a local show with, you know, the hot band. And there was yep. this like enthusiasm in the audience, which was uh, like Miss just Christ. mind boggling. Like I was like, <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> do you guys think is good about this? Like yeah. there was just, the, you know, um, but there's a, I guess there's a real, um, I don't know, maybe it's parochialism or, or something where like there's a scene where people really want to see, you know, each other do well, um, yes. which is probably the antithesis of, great, like, what, of the kind of scenes in Melbourne and London um, where, it, you know, like, anyways, we can get into that. In I'm not sure about that. Episode, I'm not sure about but, that. I think that's changed. Yeah. To, it's different to what it was. Sure. But I think, look, to me, there was something there was something about Canada and music, you know, Canadian music in particular that it just, you know, I mean, obviously you've got your Arcade Fires and, um, you know, some amazing bands coming out of Montreal. I'm just trying to think. Broods is one of them, which is like beyond ridiculously amazing. But then there's an entire sort of singer-songwriter scene where literally yeah. half the country... As singer-songwriters, and it's yeah, like... Yeah, let's generalise. Let's generalise the whole Canadian scene because I feel like we could do that because, <laughs> let's like, do it. what bands have come out of Canada? Yeah. Seriously. 
Yeah, it's it. like I mean, well, we should have had this conversation last and, week when Liz was done. Yeah, Arcade Fire and Broods, and then everyone else is a singer songwriter, and Hannah is part of the everyone else group. So was the National out of? Oh, uh, the National Yeah, probably we'll have to double check. But look are to Goo me, dolls are they from Canada? I hope so. I mean, that would lift everything <laughs> up. Yeah. I mean, you don't even John get Candy. me started on Iris, one of the all times. John Candy, also from Canada. Oh, there you go. Um, well, what's that's... his name? What was Drew Barrymore's? Tom Green, Canada. Oh, yeah. Tom Green. Didn't he? They, was they, they flicker. They flicker Freddie, bright Freddie for like got, half Freddie a second. Freddie got fingered. Yep, that's it. Um, <laughs> well, and, you know, well, Trudeau, like the most handsome oh. world leader. Well, there you go. Also from Canada. Yep. Um, anyways, to back to the review. Um, look, tracks to get into this if you want to go there. Some mistakes. I, th- I really enjoy the lyrics and I like the pace of it. And Pray It Away, again, kind of reminded me of like the XX kind of vibe and I really, really enjoyed that song. Overall, um, yeah, I might, I, might, uh, I, I might not listen to this one again. What about you, Chip? Yeah, I think Chip should redeem it for all of us. Come on, Chip, just, just say lots of good things about this album. If I'm actually honest, I really, really enjoyed listening to this album. I've listened to this album the most out of all of them. <laughs> for real? Uh, for real. Now, I'm not saying I'm an expert at this sort of scene, so maybe I'm listening yeah, yeah, to no, but enjoying it, but there's maybe other stuff I might enjoy more. But yeah. I thought it was a very consistent album, although you thought was that it was a little bit like you couldn't tell one song from another. I think you said that. Um, uh, yeah. I liked... I, I liked the idea that the whole album felt consistent across it. It's not, I do, I do hate these albums that sound like compilations. Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh, this style and that style. And, you know, and I do think it's got, a, purist. I, I think it's got a nice vibe to it. Whether, whether it's too nicey, nicey, I could see your point there. Do you know what I mean? But I do think she's a, she's a really good songwriter. And, and she, it reminds me of another famous Canadian that I used to like. Here we go. I'm <laughs> digging deep here. Somebody called Kate Rogers, who was signed to Grand Central Records um, okay. when I was Rain Christian's label. Yeah, well, she was Mark Ray's cousin and she was Canadian. She did a couple of albums. She worked with people like AIM. Do you remember AIM? Uh, Rain Christian no. and all? No. Okay, all right. I'm, off. I'm on my own here. Get Google out. <laughs> All right. Hey, anyway, I know, I, I, this is why you're here, man. I know another Canadian. That's the point. I think it's right. But she, she's another singer songwriter. I, I like it. Singer songwriterness. I like its production. I don't think the production gets in the way of the songs like it often does mm. with singer songwriters. I'm a big fan yeah. of Ray LaMontagne and I think some of his album and I, annoy me because the producer's just trying to make his career over the top of somebody that just sure. needs to sing songs with a guitar. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, and I think mm. there's a lot of singer-songwriter stuff forgets the simpleness of communication and that you want to hear the lyrics, you want to hear the singer and you want that kind yeah. of, and the rest of it, the rest of it can work really well if you get it right, but it can also really get in the way. And I think this album, it doesn't do that. I think there's, there's nice little bits of production here that are really quite sweet. Some quirky little drum loops. It's all, it's quite playful. Do you know what I mean? And I actually, I actually, the more I listened to it, the more I liked it. And I started, like you, I couldn't tell one track from other at the beginning, but I've listened to it quite a few times. And I started to get more, it was a grower. It started to become a grower for me, which is completely opposite what you two have said. You just don't want to hear it again. Do you know what I mean? But I liked yeah. it. I thought, I, and interestingly, when I listened, when I listened back compared to Fiona Apple, when I listened back to her old stuff, 
her old stuff is far more jangly indie pop. You know, they're kind of this indie pop artist. When you listen to her old stuff, well, it's, 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 time. Yeah, it's not as good for me. I, I like this album. I think this is a much more consistent album than her other stuff that I listened to was far more kind of bitty and a bit kind of teenage and a bit kind of jangly and a bit kind of a bit of this and a bit of that and a bit kind of, it wasn't, this feels a very kind of, grown-up albums you know maybe too grown up maybe like you're saying maybe it's just too much the same thing but just grown up enough for youtube well do you know what i mean i know this isn't my thing either do you know i I like folk music and i like singer songwriter stuff i like say like rayla montaigne and i like sort of tim harden and stuff like that i do like that do you know what i mean but that's a million miles Mm. from maybe more this is my way more contemporary do you know what i mean but I, I i did like it and i thought the vibe of the album's really nice i like putting it on and maybe i don't pay attention mm. to it all the time when it's on but i kind of like the sound of the album's really complete really similar there's no kind of sticky out tracks which, which i think is a compliment and 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 i liked i liked uh pray it away i thought that was really good that emotion the title track i thought it was a really good really sort of nice you know, really good, straight, good mm. open to an album, a nice sort of jangly pop song. Do you know what I mean? It's really good, but in the good sense, not in the kind of oh, another pop song. It was, it was nice, yeah. good song, good songwriting, as far as I can see, good lyrics. Do you know what I mean? And 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 a consistent album. It felt when I listened to her old stuff, I did. I thought, oh god, this isn't the same artist. Do you know what I mean? It, it feels, it feels like she's she's found a sound for this album. I don't know, but. It was nice, was nice bit, about, of, a bit of guitar, lot of nice synths, yeah, a bit of retro now yeah. and again. I actually like that retro synth in that song. Yeah. I don't know what it is, yeah. but that 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 yeah. for me, that for me was quite cute, and it wasn't overdone. It was mm. a little sound. It wasn't like oh god, we got the whole thing all the way through. It was in and out, and I like that. It was yeah. kind of, maybe maybe there's that's just me. But. There's something <laughs> about this doing this podcast, which is you know, and it's one of those things which is you know why. I personally enjoy doing this podcast is just like hearing your review of the record chip has completely shifted a lot of the things that I wasn't into like 20 minutes ago. Like just when, when you, when you, when you hear an opinion of someone's and, and they raise things like it's fucking good songwriting, I would completely agree. It, it, mm. it was legitimately really good songwriting. Mm. And, and sometimes when you're listening to albums back to back, you know, all you're, you know, you're looking for like a hook or you're looking for some way in that separates it from something else but but when you know when you harped on that it immediately makes me go fuck it's not easy to write a good song it's one of the hardest things to do mm-hmm. in the world and when a songwriter is able to do that you know like you know when you say like i'm just looking at my notes loved the lyrics and really good pace and i just kind of mentioned that as a real throwaway comment but like if for, for someone to yeah. like to love the lyrics is a really big deal for you know what I mean? sla- slaving away right. for that <laughs> yeah that's it you know so so just hearing the way you've kind of reviewed it has kind of shifted my position on it um and chip's deep knowledge yeah he's deep knowledge of the canadian scene as well, like well that's really, right kate rogers if you don't know kate rogers yeah. go listen to an album called saint yeah. eustacia all right I mean, this is why we got him on. And it, well, it's all—it's all the Ray and Christian. So it's almost like trip hop with folk over the top. It's really interesting stuff. It's really—I'm not—I'm not, you know. It's really. Um... So with this new, with this newfound um, understanding that we have of Chip's deep knowledge of the Canadian music scene, could we <laughs> um, elevate his uh, his title? His as, <laughs> or was he Northern Hemisphere correspondent, royal liaison, and and and? Uh, Canadian music um, aficionado. Aficionado. Yeah. Wow, yeah. Absol- I'm an aficionado. And you've got to have some sort of Middle East sort of, oh, yeah. you know. I will worry about well. that when the World Cup comes around. 
Yeah, that's true. Well, why don't we? Uh, why don't we get? That's right. I'll tell you what, though, Eric. Just just to make a point is that you're talking about listening to it when you're reviewing albums like this, and and something that I spoke to about was about. He he said to me, you know, trying to listen to the album in different uh, scenarios and different circumstances mm-hmm. during your day. So listen to it in the morning, listen to it at night, because you'll get a different reaction yeah. at different times of day. You do. And and I was very wary of kind of putting it on in the morning and just going, oh yeah, it's not it's not quick enough, isn't what you know, and then never really kind of giving yeah. it. So I've, I've I've tried with all the album even the ones I, I didn't like so much it's kind of like i've really listened to them all way more than i would normally listen to and i've tried to listen to them at different times of the day i mean it's a bit old school isn't it it's like when you buy you buy a vinyl before wouldn't you you totally. go to the shop and you buy it you get it home and that was it that was your record for the month do you know what i mean and so you listen to yeah. the damn thing backwards and forwards and upside down and back to front and it, it's it's back to that way of not flicking about like you're saying was everybody's got so many albums on the go now with Spotify. They flick about. They don't listen to a whole album. We're having to listen to a whole album and and and, right. and dig dig deep. And it's it's a really interesting process. We're all a bit shy of kind of spending time with things, aren't we? I think. Yeah, Chip. That's why you are best on ground tonight. And at three quarter time, you are leading leading the field leading the by an absolute, <laughs> absolute mile. mile. 40 possessions. Can we ever come back from this, Eric? <laughs> I, look, it's it's hard to come back from this kind I've of... I've got one um, hand tied behind my back as well. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's a pantsing. We've been pantsed. We are getting absolutely pants here. All right. I might go first. Um, look, I was going to whack this like firmly in the strawberry category. And then, um, and then you know, Chip's uh, incredibly persuasive review sort of moved me towards Apple. Um and I will be honest, I'm going to go back to Strawberry. Uh, it's just not, it's not there for me. And I'm, and I'm a pretty stubborn guy and uh, I'm going to sit with a Strawberry on this. However, I'm 100% going to listen to it again, um, which is as big a rating as, you know, a high rating because we've said on many times, great record, not going to listen to it again. So I'm really <laughs> eager to give this another listen and I, I feel... You know, I only gave it the one listen, and I, and I've got a feeling um, I'll probably get more out of it if I listen to it multiple times. I think, Eric, as well, it gets better as the album goes on. The second half mm. of the album is more interesting than the first half of the album. Agreed. Which is, which is often Agreed. when you start to get tired, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? You start to switch off. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. What about you, Chip? What are you going to rate it? I'm going to rate it as high as I can, a, a kind of um, mint and bagpipes. Whoa. Whatever. Whoa! Uh, watermelon, mint, mint. Mint watermelon. Yeah, I, th- I think it's an it's an eight or a nine for me. I really, I just just for the sheer reaction to it. I just played it and played it and played it. I've played it maybe ten times in a week, I've, uh, which is mm-hmm. I enjoy it. I, I like I like I think when you do a lot of jazz like me, it's quite nice to sing a songwriter stuff. Always kind of is a place safe place to run to. Do you know what I mean? Sure. And a, a calming yeah. influence when you listen to people going all day long. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoy it. I really I like the vibe of it. I just put it on and had it. I just had it on. Just loved it. It didn't matter. It was kind of just dipping in and out. It's growing on me. I'm still, yeah. I'm going to keep listening. Well, that's cool. that's awesome. What about you, was? Well, unlike you, Eric, I'm not going to be swayed by Chip's. Uh... <laughs> Uh, persuasive <laughs> argument. <laughs> he might have he might have racked up forty possessions, but he's not bringing anyone else into the game. He's <laughs> not he's not bringing anyone else into the game. They're wasted possessions. They're just yeah. like out the back. He's yeah, giving them yeah, out yeah. easy stats out the back. It's just not working for me. And I kind of feel bad that I didn't mount a more persuasive argument earlier on. And uh, I should have done that. I will I will know the next time he comes on of his game plan, and I will work to that. <laughs> I am um, again like. That 
I agree with everything everyone said, and I just saw it on the negative. So, yeah, I thought it was safe. It was too safe um, for me. I apologize, okay. and I don't. I don't apologize. It is what it is. Um, go back and make something better that I like more. I give it a a weak, a very weak strawberry yeah. um, tobacco. Like it's going to stuff. I'll stuff it, but it's still not. It's not a good quality. It's not a good quality of strawberry tobacco. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. probably it's like more. It's not your good street market. You, you wouldn't be getting this. The Audi. Would, yeah, yeah. It's the Audi version. Or Sainsbury's. It's the Sainsbury's stra- yeah. strawberry. It's really terrible. I didn't like it, but it's not quite. What's the worst one? What do we say? So, bubblegum. Same, bubble Sainsbury's gum. in the UK is actually quite an expensive supermarket. I'll point out. Oh shit! What's a, what's a bad one? What's a bad one? You just said it, Aldi. I think Aldi's the, the, the generally oh, held okay, example. Cool. Enough. But there we go. I've got some tobacco from Aldi, and uh, it's been anyway. It's crap. <laughs> Weak strawberry tobacco. Let's move on. That was Hannah George's. What was in all that emotion? So the last album we have here this evening is by Vibration Blackfinger. And the name of the album is Can You See What I'm Trying to Say? Arik, I'll get you to kick it off. Okay. Um, so, look, this was, a, this was a tricky one to find info around. So I've got about two lines of it. Um, Vibration, <laughs> Vibration Blackfinger is Lascelles Gordon from the UK. Sweet Nothing, featuring the husky tones of Ebony Rose, is his next single... It hits a spot with its intergalactic cosmic soul vibes. While on the flip side, song for Enid is a slow-burning experimental affair of spiritual jazz with a soprano saxophone lead. Um, that is literally after digging, like deep diving, to try and find about more about Vibration Blackfinger. I basically was able to find a description of one of their seven inches. Um, so probably says more about your preparation, Eric, than anything else. I would say. <laughs> Much that's, a, like, that's, a, that's, a, that's a low strawberry for you, I think. <laughs> that is that is a that's definitely a bubble gum for me. That's a bubble gum. <laughs> so, so, Bub- so bubble gum in you, your hair. In your hair, I think. Yeah, there's <laughs> bubble gum in my hair. But Chip, I mean, you you brought the record to us, so I might throw to you to kind of give our, uh, our listeners a bit more background about this act, and then we'll get into reviewing it. I mean, how did you come across this out of interest? I came across this. Well, I, I, um, it's come out on a record label called Jazzman Records in the UK. Um, ah, Jazzman Gerald. Uh, Jazzman Gerald, yeah, the guy who runs it. So, I mean, that's that's kind of that's the kind of route in for me because I, I kind of watch what they release. There are people mm-hmm. like Nat Birchall on there and, and, and other sort of really good artists. And they do, they, he's, he's very much a record-collecting label as well. He does lots of reissues and really kind of heavy... Sort of, yeah, there's yeah. a really good spiritual jazz compilation as well that I don't know if you've clocked onto yet. That's just stunning, you know. Um, so that's that's how I found it, yeah. And and, and just kind of people in common have sort of have referenced it, you know, because it's kind of um, I've actually read some uh, reviews 
and they mentioned mm. me and Matthew Halsall as being sort of reference points for this album, which was quite interesting after I chose oh. it. So um, excellent name drop there, Chip. Excellent name drop. We we will clock that for did the you, did um, you? for the did Instagram. Thank you for the Instagram uh, story this week. So um, yeah, that's that's how I found it. Really, um, I, I hadn't heard about. There's another album knocking around, and I didn't know anything about that. But um, it's. You know, it's uh, that. That's how I know. Anyway, that's all I know. Apart from Lasell Gordon, the guy who who does it all, who's percussionist with the brand new heavies in uh, in the nineteen eighty five when they started off, wow. and he was a, a, pro- he's a prominent DJ at the Wag in the nineties, which was a famous club in London. Um, Oof, so he's going. he's preached. He's um, <laughs> he's uh, he's obviously one of those London guys, you know, that was there at the sort of you know talking loud acid jazz days and 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 knows the scene and was into that kind of you know that that's that UK scene and obviously played with everybody and knows everybody. So you I'm packing up my SM7B. I'm I'm going, guys. Let's just we can leave we can leave talk. the rest of this podcast to Chip. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> no, no, on the contrary. Chip, why don't you lead with a review, man? I mean, you are, you know, deep, like, deep knowledge. Deep knowledge, well, you know. Well, you, you, you invite me on. What do you expect? Honestly. <laughs> oh, I don't know. We didn't expect anything. <laughs> right. Low. The um, expectations were really, really low. They were very, very low expectations. Good, good. Good starting point for somebody like me. <laughs> well, that's what we say. We always expect low and we hope behind. Yeah, yeah, never yeah, disappointed. Yeah. Never disappointed. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Tell us about no, it. What do you I don't know. When, when, when you asked me to choose an album, this was, this was my choice. I kind of wanted to... I was looking at all the sort of UK jazz stuff because I thought that would be an interesting point. Um, obviously, that's where I'm at, do you know what I mean, in terms of that. And, and I was sort of looking around, I was trying to find something a bit more interesting, and a bit more broad-based. Um, and, and just stuff that I actually like, rather than sort of trying to pick something that's kind of cool or, you know, people think's good. Yeah. I just, mm. this is really good. It's, it, for me, it's that classic sort of, you know, um, this is the kind of music I like. It's kind of, it, it's clever, it's interesting, it's deep and dark, it's got a punk attitude to it with the production and the arrangements. Mm. It's got, Great playing on it. It's got great production. It's got the, even lots of really good, two different singers. There's the Ebony Rose, who sings on Empty Streets and the Glory. Is that the one in the middle of, that's the one in the middle of the album, yeah? Uh, there were two, there were two tracks with vocals, right? No, yeah. there's one, the last song had vocals. And the, the last first song, song had vocals. vocals. Somebody called Maggie Nichols, uh, who does who does the really interesting track. Now she's, She's 70, some, 72 years old. Oh, wow. She's free wow. way back in the, and, um, and she sings on um, Acting for Liberation and Only a Dream, which is the last at song on oh, the album. What a yes. song. My favourite song on the whole album. Absolutely. Mm. Really? That's the one I hated the most. Anyway, oh, keep going. Wow. But, we're going to be across the board here, I reckon. <laughs> we'll, meet, we'll meet somewhere. I think I think it's a it's a it's a complex album. There's lots of interludes that you either like or you don't like, and I think there's some big songs and there's lots of little experimental tracks in between, which I kind of mm. like. I like the pace of that. I like the kind of playfulness of that, and it keeps my interest. You know what I mean? I do like it, and I think the big songs are big enough to excuse that flitting about between things. There's 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 odd, sort of odd track with sort of really loud thumb piano and stuff like that. The production's a little bit kind of a bit bit wacky, but. Um, 
but I think the rest of it, if you take the whole vibe of the album, it works. It's a, it's a, it's a very, very cool sounding album for me. I, I love it. Mm. It's a sort of, do you know what I mean? It goes back to those sort of uh, four hero LGT. Oh, we talked about four hero a couple of weeks ago, didn't we, Eric? <laughs> we talk about four hero. Hey, do you UFO, remember that? These sort of. Oh, the- UFO. Oh, my God. That's, that's, that's mid 90s now. Yeah, but I mean, these were these guys, you know, it's the kind of cut and paste, isn't it? The kind of sampling trip hop sound, isn't it? And and it, yeah. it's got loads of like big sort of spiritual tracks that are just these massive, great drum grooves and big, deep bass lines, really sort of dubby and deep. Uh, uh, in a way that in a way that I love, I just love it. It's just they're big, big sounding tracks. I think that you know, I, I like the playing on it. Some lovely flute sax, all the kind of you know, all the kind of stuff that's always going to ring my bells. Do you know what I mean? But um, for sure. And I, I have- Love the songs. I think I think that um, Maggie Nichols, she sings on it, is 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 really interesting. She's got that seventies thing that I love. It's so, she's got this kind of, she's got really great songwriting. It's got the whoa, 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 sort of slightly so jazz pinpoint. That's great. Can you pinpoint like two highlights from the record for you? Uh, any, I think any... Only is a good example. The last track because it starts for ages. It's got this really long intro. I don't know how long it goes, but it's like. It's something like four minutes twenty before the actual song kicks in, which is really yeah. brave. Do you know what I mean? I mean, how many times have you done that? Thought, yeah, or whatever, thirty seconds will do. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> well, it, yeah. What you do on the last song of an album? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As Eric will attest. It, it, but it, but it's I like that. I like the the kind of confidence that 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 and 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 it's interesting enough to not be boring. I guess if it's boring, it's four long minutes. Do you know what I mean? If it's not boring, it's great. And then suddenly it kicks into this killer bass line, and it sounds like something like mm. Jesus Christ. Style mini Ripperton or something like that. It's mm. absolutely amazing. Mm. And she sings, she's got a way of singing that people don't sing like anymore. And that's what's really interesting to me. I really like the way she's, and, and really clever arrangements, really clever. I, I think that's a, a standout track. Um, I think The Glory, I like the vocal track. The Glory is a great track as well. That's with the other singer, Ebony Rose. Again, great arrangement, beautiful, beautiful song. It's, it's got loads. Acting for Liberation Part One, obviously, is probably the, the, sort of the big track. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody. It's kind of got Axelrod. It's like really sort of David Axelrod um, sort of vibe. Yeah, yeah. I really like it. It's got a massive break on it. And that goes back to my kind of trip-hop roots and the kind of, I like, and the sort of Roy Ayersy sort of dark sort of, I don't know. Mm. Uh, but again, it's got, so now it's one minute 45 before anything happens in that one as well when the, when the music kicks in. It's, it's a very, there's some really brave arranging on this, really kind of personal, but in a cool way, you know, not personal yeah, as in you're yeah, intruding. Yeah, yeah. As in, like, really kind of somebody with confidence about the way they're writing. Um, mm. they're, they're my high points. I like the first song, Empty Streets, as well. I thought that was another great, a great opener. It really sets mm. the vibe for the album really nicely. Well, I might, um, I might chime in with, uh, with my take on it. Um, having never heard of Vibr- Vibration Blackfinger at all, and have having found two sentences about them on my Google <laughs> yeah. search. I was like, okay, what the fuck is this guy? What is this guy? Who is this guy? You know, um, you know, it was a talk chip, uh, you know, talked talked a big game with chip, and you know, he's coming on, he's going to bring us something, and I was like, he's brought us something that's got two sentences about it on the internet. <laughs> All right, this is going to be either like really good or just like so cool and obscure that it's going to just go straight over my head, and um. I I'm I'm happy to say this album was a fucking masterpiece. I loved mm. it. You know, this this to me is one of those albums that, you know, this is exactly why we do this podcast. Um, 
I'm going to listen to this. This is 100% yeah. one of the 2020 albums for me. Um, can, I, can I jump in for one sec and just talk yeah. about this, Eric? Like, yeah. I'll, I'll go yeah, 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 send yeah, it straight back it. to you. So, like, um, like in the world, the world's global, and musically, we we get to hear all the albums that we want to hear at any time. But yeah. there's still underground scenes that exist around the planet, and unless you know people in those scenes then the music stays local, don't you reckon? And that's 100%. that's not just because it's that's not because it's not great. It's just that, you know, you have to have the right conditions for bands to get out um, and to get global exposure. So you like you need like the nod of the cat from Giles or some label yeah. who's gonna push it forward. But no one's gonna push put money behind an experimental jazz art act. Yeah. So yeah. like, you know, Chips bought us this album that like we would never have heard. Yes, that's right. And, and, and yeah, I, yeah, I want, I mean, I, there's no, probably no need for me to comment any further was, I think you've actually nailed it. Um, it's for me, it's, it's just so good. I, I like, I was like, you know, the trip that started and I was kind of, you know, I was into it, you know, and then acting for liberation part one came on and I was like, fucking hell, like this sounds like a war cry. Like that's, it, it felt like Shit. this like a full on war cry and it was just mean and tough and just brilliant and um you know and then you know looking back at the description of you know this you know this this genre of spiritual jazz i mean let's be honest like how many times have you heard that tagline on something because it's a cool you know like when you say oh yeah it's spiritual jazz it it, it, it fundamentally conjures up like like well, just, it just conjures up like something that's like cool and underground and experimental and and pushing the boundaries. But there's a lot of stuff that calls itself spiritual jazz that does not kind of uh, reach that level of you know spiritual salvation, which is really what you, you you're kind of looking for in a spiritual jazz record. And and for me, acting for Liberation Part One just like completely did that. Like it just transported me. It felt it felt incredible. Um, so I loved that. And then kind of, I, you know, I kept on listening and, and then suddenly I looked at, you know, I looked at my phone and, and I was like seven tracks deep and, and then it was almost like there was this seamlessness to like, there was like these key points. And then there was like these songs between these key points that just blended in from one to the next. And it was really hard to pinpoint something that was like, all oh, right, so that's the song. And I don't mean that as a criticism. I mean, that's, that's a perfectly put together album, you know, that yeah, for it like to all mix, flow so it? beautifully. Absolutely. But we, but without sounding like a DJ mix, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Um, so, you know, I, so I credit the album, like whilst I can't give you more songs beyond that and the final song, only a dream, which I'll get to in a minute. Um, like, yeah, it felt like I was like acting for liberation part one, then suddenly I looked at my phone and we we're already at Acting for Liberation Part 2 and I was like, what about the five songs between that? But they did all sort of merge into this overall feeling and sound, which I think is brilliant, brilliant um, album construction. The final song, Only a Dream. I mean, what a way to finish the album. As you mentioned, Chip, like a four and a half minute intro. And I also wrote down Mini Ripton and, and my notes were teleported to the 60s, like deep, deep psychedelia. Um, without and and it was psychedelic in arrangement and performance, not through Vocal effects line. and plugins. You know what I mean? Um, mm. And you know, like again, another term that gets thrown around about psychedelia, like psychedelia could fundamentally be 
you know, the right voice on an acoustic guitar is psychedelia. It's not about reverbs, effects, and delays. It's 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 the heavy person performing it. And and to me, only a dream. Who was the singer that you mentioned, Chip? The singer of the track. Or- yeah, on only uh, her a dream. name is her name is Maggie Nichols. Wow, and yeah, I mean, I'm I'm that's just like that. thank I'm- you. And and I'll have to go and look up Maggie Nichols, you yeah, know, yeah. tomorrow. She's got something going on, isn't she? Wow. Oof. So you good. must be so glad that we didn't start this podcast too late, so you got a chance to listen to that that song, Eric. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I was frantically texting Chip and was going, guys. I'm like, I've just started Vibration Black Finger, and it's 42 minutes, and we're starting in 15. Skim or listen, and and I do thank you guys to say when you said listen to the whole thing. So, um, yeah, absolutely outstanding. Um, what about you, was? Oh man, like. I I just I've written this word down as like schizophrenic, and I thought the album was really schizophrenic. <laughs> like, it the first track was like it was like okay, so we've got this lounge jazz vocal thing going on, so I'm thinking okay, cool, no drama. That's what this album is about. Then suddenly I was in some kind of Iranian bazaar in the middle of a <laughs> siesta for track yep. two and three, like it was the midday when everyone sort of it's a bit quiet, and then yep. then all of a sudden this hip hop beat drops out of nowhere on liberation part one and i'm just thinking like what is happening like i just like strap yourself in dude like it's this it's it's all happening this album's is is crazy Mm. um i've got no idea what's going to happen and but i'm excited i'm excited and i'm looking forward to all of this album um and I, i i always find like i need to categorize albums and put it somewhere um just 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 so I can find some sort of place to rate it from. And I was kind of thinking back to a stone's throw night at the Prince of Wales hotel in St Kilda chip. Um, it's a, it's a pub in down the our beach and the lineup was um, peanut butter wolf, J rock and mad lib. And it was just like epic night. And J rock threw down like perhaps the best 45 set I've ever heard. And then mad lib came on and, was kind of disappointing because he played a whole bunch of his newer stuff and it was great, but you know, it wasn't epic. And where I'm going with this is that peanut butter wolf played first and he dropped a really interesting mix of at the time, what I, I would call like global groove. And so it was effectively using 70s cinematic funk groove as a bedrock. And then you drop all kinds of world music references over it. So, so that, that sort of, you know, in the pocket funk mm. groove sits at the as the foundation palette to throw stuff on, but at the heart it's funky. So it's mm. funky. Um, and I, I also love, I and, I, and I got a lot of that vibe. Oh, you love that? Oh, yeah. Good. Finally, I, I, I tell I tell you what, you've got a band over there in Melbourne called Surprise Chef that I really like as well that do a similar thing. Ah, we should get um, we should get in Stucky on one day. What do you reckon? All, right. All news is good news I is the album. I thought you'd take. Uh, I thought you'd nick that for your podcast title. They're fantastic. Similar he, um, vibe. Is he working? Is he work? Is he work with Hope Street? Stucky? No, no. Hope? College of Knowledge. Gotcha. Anyways, yeah. um, yeah. he's love. He's played with Deep Street Soul a number of times. Lucky, What's um, the guitarist Lock's, from the band. Lachlan. Yeah, Lachlan Stucky. I think, he's a, I think he's a part. He, I think he works in the office of. Um, Hope Street, like he's not on Hope he, Street. He no, works he works. Street. He they've got offices in Hope at Hope Street. Oh, so I've met him. College, because, the college of knowledge. 
Gotcha. Because my, my studio is underneath Hope Street, so I've seen yep. him. And in Hope Street um, have one of your other favourite albums, Chip, which is uh, the Emma Donovan and the Putbacks album that yeah, they released. Album. Wow, which, that. You, which you sent me and I still play to this day. Whoa. Which I believe they've also just put out a new record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah Pink Lady. Yep. Pink Skirt. She's stunning. Pink skirt, She's stunning. stunning. You're right. You sent yeah, that to me and you said, you've got to hear this. And you were right. I had to hear it. <laughs> so yeah. good. Anyway, I also thought, getting back to the album, I thought this album was also a really good album to smoke weed to, like maybe in (laughs) Chip's case, more a big shisha pipe. But, um, Eric, we've reviewed a concept album and a Mm. mixtape last Mm -hmm. week, and I'm going to coin a new genre for this album. I'm going to call it the concept mixtape. The concept, the concept mixtape. That's actually that, that's that's actually a completely. I I think it's a great description. Felt like a mixtape, but like it was, it, it had a concept sort of vibe going on. Um, it was out there. It was really out there. So I there. loved it. Um, like we kept going down the rabbit hole as as it went on, and so like you know we got to that track Persia and Cornelius, and that was yeah. very spiritual. And then all of a sudden, it took this left turn again, and like had this eighties drum machine. On uh, what was the track called? The I glory, called yeah, the glory, the glory. With, with, I was like, the singer, what, yeah, is, the what is happening? And then the next, then the next one, the next one's called Soulfire, and it's got a violin sort of folk spiritual jazz thing. Almost, you know, it, it really, was crazy. I, I think that's the beauty of it. If you go with that process, it's amazing. If you're fighting that process, you don't get it. That's yeah. the trouble, isn't it? You either yeah. accept the kind of what the hell's going on, what's going to happen next, and enjoy that ride. Or you shut your eyes and hold on tight until it's all over. <laughs> like I always get, I always get excited by musicians who push boundaries, and not for the sake of mm. pushing them, but when it's done like in a musical way, yeah, um, just the way he hears it. Isn't it? And you know, that, that's right. They operate on the edges of what would be considered to be like modern composition. Um, I think that's all I've got to say about this. I mean, I just think it's really exciting and really interesting, and I think. I'm really looking forward to sort of digging back into these this the back catalogue because I started listening to um to to the albums that were on Spotify that were going down the list and that also sounded really great. So yeah, yeah I'm really looking forward to getting into this. So mm-hmm. thanks Chip for bringing this to us. Really appreciated. Um, shall we get into some into some reviews? Yeah, well, absolutely. So just again, once again, thanking. Our unofficial sponsor, Smoke and Vape, for helping us shape our uh, review matrix of sorts. I might go first, and and I'm going to give this a roaring watermelon and mint uh, bowl of uh, wonderfully fruity and fresh Smoke and Vape tobacco. I love this album. I I'm so glad I was introduced to it, and uh, that's enough for me. I'm I'm I was fully blown away. Okay, I'll go next. Um, what I didn't mention was the last track, which I really didn't like. <laughs> which, funnily enough, I thought out of all the tracks that um, it didn't fit in the album, as opposed to every like. I know, I know we had this whole mixtape sort of vibe, but I thought that one stood out as being one that didn't fit, as opposed to you two. But I don't think that's going to change my um, review or scoring. Thanks to Vape and what are they called, Eric? Smoke and Vape. Smoke and Vape. Uh, our uh, smoke and vape, our unofficial sponsors this week. I don't think we've mentioned them enough. That's right. We uh, we might have we might have to go back and put that in in post. Um, yeah, yeah. Smoke Just and drop, vape. Drop drop a few little um, audio tags. 
Let's do a song or something. Smoke and vape. Something Smoke like that. We'll just keep putting it in drink. I like drink. that. Make a spiritual jazz version. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Chip can just go back and put in a, like a, a tag yeah. sign to what we just did. Reaching for my bagpipes. I think it's got more of a soprano vibe about it, though. What do you reckon? Yeah, soprano. Oh, that clear the room, won't it? <laughs> soprano bagpipes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you made a late play for an Instagram story <laughs> call with that one, Eric. Um, I'm going to give it a very, a very weak watermelon and mint. So I'm talking in the eights. Like I, I thought it was really great. I, I need to give this a few more listens, but that's pretty good for me. That's that is really Chip. good for you. Uh, just w- one big, huge watermelon from me. It's absolutely ten out of ten. I just it's one of those rare albums that you put on and you just wow, where did this come from? You know, it's kind of it, it's a mixture of stuff, but it's such a brilliant mixture of stuff, isn't it? It's like all good things you hear that sound original. They've got bits that you kind of you know and you've heard somewhere else, but they put it together so beautifully that you become something else. And that's mm. that's the trick for me. I mean, that's that's that, I think that's that's what the way I hear music. I love it. I love I love its playfulness. It's good songwriting. Doesn't pull its punches. It's dark. It's heavy. It does what it wants when it wants to do it, and it doesn't care what was says. Do you know what I mean? So it's uh, it's it's a ten. Yeah, it's a it's a full on watermelon and mint for me. Yeah, there you go. That's big. So we've got we've got a ten we've got a watermelon and mint from myself a watermelon and mint from Chip, and Waza has just given it a watermelon which is kind of like a watermelon and mint because Waza never gives tens out of tens except once. But I like mint more than I like oh, watermelon. Gonna so go I'm gonna going to go the mint. It's going to have a nice breath. Um, well, that that probably brings us to the end of uh, this week's episode. I just want to thank Chip once again. Uh, for coming on and um, and really bringing the standard of uh, of this podcast up about tenfold, Chip. Any uh, any any last remarks? Anything we anything we should keep an eye out coming up for you? For me personally, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I know. Um, I said you got a record that is just either just dropped or coming out. Yeah, soon well, it, or... it came out. It came out earlier earlier on around uh, April May time. Blue to red. Um, and really it's, it's, it's kind of, you know, that, that's it really for now. I can't, I'm canceling all my tours in October and December because it's just becoming too dangerous to travel around and the venues yeah, don't know yeah. what they're doing. So I'm basically going to kick off again around April with a April the 10th with, I've got a Ronnie Scott Saturday night headline show, uh, oh, on April the 10th and that'll be, there'll be a tour around that. And then, yeah, just, just, just get on with it really. I've been writing like a nutter since I've, for the last six months, I've got all that to start to pull together and. I might I might do more of a stu- studio cut and paste album rather than the recorded album, you know. So that's kind of so that's 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 I guess twenty twenty one, and then I guess twenty twenty two we'll be seeing you uh, penning the penning the main <laughs> song for the twenty twenty two FIFA World Cup, a spiritual jazz journey through the Arabian odyssey. desert. It's going to be an odyssey. <laughs> it will be an yeah, odyssey. Hundred year. A hundred year odyssey of the. It will be a hundred year odyssey, ladies and gentlemen. Opening ceremony. Expect twenty nine minutes of spiritual jazz. Chip, chip gaffer to the back of a camel so he doesn't fall off. <laughs> yeah, just rolling and uh, and wailing uh, saxophone, <laughs> echoing through the sand dunes of. Uh, of the very great romantic, Eric, the way you say it. It's wonderful. It, it is. It will be. And look, hopefully, I'm sure the listeners can't wait now. I bet they can't, and and you know, hopefully, this is, we're sowing the seeds for a new genre of 
deep desert spiritual jazz. Deep desert spiritual <laughs> um, All right. Well, that brings us to the end. Waza, thank you so much for uh, once again pulling this together. Um, you know, we're also grateful for this wonderful um, opportunity to talk music. And, uh, and we'll see you next week. 